fucking deep. I like it. Put it in deep. Gallagher broken up by Stahl. Here they come at Svechnikov. His shot. Scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? Andrei Svechnikov wins it in overtime. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks. He's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep going. Pucks deep. Hey now. Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 27. We're live on a Wednesday. And uh, it's going to be a jam-packed episode here, let's go, uh, this evening. The sun is shining. What a beauty out there today. What a beauty. We should be doing the fucking podcast outside. Wow, that might be a good idea for another episode. How are we going to get internet? You can't get Wi-Fi on your back deck? Oh, okay, good point. I thought you meant like, you know, out in public, down oh, by the like, fucking yeah, waterfront. You want to go down to the park? <laughs> down to the park. And do you got a park next door? A live on location. Yeah. Uh, puck pod. Actually, speaking of which, uh, live on location, we won't be live, but we're thinking about a little bit of a puck pod excursion to, uh, what is it, to the Algonquin College campus, Lesko? Is that what's going on? We got a speaker coming in. Yeah, so... The Algonquin College here in Pembroke, what they do is they have their uh, speaker series. They bring in, uh, a lot of times it's journalists, um, sometimes political figures. Authors but, uh, and whatnot. Yeah, you get some pretty well-known folks who uh, who make their way here to town every once in a while. And uh, So they're actually featuring uh, Dave Schultz of the Globe and Mail uh, with their next uh, rendition of the speaker series. And uh, that's going to be going down on April 3rd at 7 o'clock. Uh, tickets are $16 in advance, $20 at the door if you want to check it out. So what he's talking about here um, is his most recent book uh, that he wrote about the transition of Hockey Night in Canada, how the basically the rights over the NHL rights and the CBC rights got the sold over to rights, uh, yeah. Yeah, the television rights and actually the brand Hockey Night in Canada. Right. Um, how they CBC lost it to uh, to Sportsnet. Well, and the funny thing about that is, and this this had me gripped back when this was going on. And what year was this going on? It was 2013. Okay, I 2013. Yeah. So it was right around, of course, the time about the lockout as well, right? The half season lockout. So what really was interesting to me uh, throughout this whole process, and and I don't know about you, Lesko, but we'll have to talk about this a little more seriously. I I really want to go, and I think we should go, and I bet you there's going to be Q and A, and I think it would be fucking sick if we're there. And, you know, one of us can stand up and be like, yeah, Josh Coleman, uh, Pucks and Deep Podcast. Uh, listen. Uh, <laughs> throw out the credentials. <laughs> yes. Throw out the credentials. Let's well, see if you can get a press pass there. You won't yeah. have to pay to go there. That'd you be and, so sweet. You and the observer but, there. But listen, you know what really gripped me, dude, was was how the like the CBC's Hockey Night in Canada flagship program yeah. was iconic for yeah. many years. And then their biggest the biggest program of CBC, like That's basically correct. the engine yeah. of CBC. It, exactly. It drives, it drives the whole, the whole programming station. So when Sportsnet won the deal, it was in the contract that they would allow the CBC to maintain their broadcast rights, but it would be under the Sportsnet, you know, stamp, like in right. the bottom, in the bottom right hand yeah, corner, it, it would say, still say Sportsnet. Yeah. It's not CBC. Um, but it's it's Sportsnet talking it in Canada. But the CBC, as far as the production was concerned, they got to maintain their production status, but they got more money out of the deal. And of course, as we know, the CBC is a publicly uh, funded 
uh, radio station. So it never really had deep pockets to begin with. Yeah. But when Sportsnet took it over, $5.2 billion is a lot of money. Yeah. So they had some money to be able to, you know, increase the production level. And I think they have definitely done that. Mm-hmm. However, you know, just before we went to air, uh, as we were talking about this briefly, I, I mentioned to you, and, and I'll say it on air now, I, I don't really particularly like Sportsnet that much. I don't think Sportsnet has been a top tier level production uh, station in this country. I think it was clearly TSN. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened because CTV owns TSN. So Rogers owns Sportsnet. Rogers probably has a lot more money than CTV. And I'm just talking out my ass here. Mm-hmm. But Rogers as a multimedia company, they, yeah, I would imagine they have a lot more It was basically Bell versus Rogers yeah. is what it was. Actually, yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah, good the point. The two dominant uh, figures in the well, what telecoms do you, what do you, industry. What do you think about that? Like, I would have liked to have seen TSN garner control of it because with their broadcast uh, production level and their talent level, I think it's far superior. Well, they got the theme song. They ended up getting something. <laughs> it's true. And they, they paid did. a lot of money for that too. But $5.2 billion. Like it just must have been a wild bidding war, and I mean the first of a, a series of huge wins in the hockey world for Sportsnet. Um, the second also obviously being when they secured uh, the primary rights for the NHL here in Canada. Right. Uh, uh, the other controversy that came out of that, I remember when they made that decision to uh, to swap out old Ron McLean there in favor of Strombo. Oh, and worst like, decision they ever made. That was No wild. offense to Strombo. No, I think like, Strombo's a good character. A wonderful like uh, personality and interviewer and everything, but how, those are impossible shoes to fill. Yeah. And to you know, kind of transplant this pop culture guy into, in the, into the hockey realm was a crazy idea, and uh, obviously they've reverted back, and you know now they have a variety of hosts as and, well. And you know what was funny? When they reverted back to Ron, they kind of promoted the whole like – Hey, we're sorry. We we made the wrong decision. And when, when I say they promoted it, I mean it was more subtle. Yeah. But they brought Ron. But they McLean branded in. him. They, yeah. They, yeah. He was front and center of the brand, <laughs> yeah. like Hockey Night Canada with Ron McLean. And now. then at the very end, like they'd have that one commercial where it was like they were really pulling at your heartstrings, trying to make your goosebumps on your arms and your hair stand up because you know just at the very end it was like a monologue from Ron McLean. And then just as the Sportsnet logo comes up, he says. This is hockey night. Yeah. <laughs> in that classic Ron McLean yeah, yeah. voice, you know, and it kind of gets your blood boiling. It makes me think of the times back when it was a much simpler time when I was fucking around with the uh, the uh, bunny ears the on the back of my ears, TV, yeah. yeah, trying to get the late CBC game. CBC was hard to get out in our neck Try- of the woods, <laughs> man. That was a tough <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, it's true. Fuck. All right. So listen, yeah, April 3rd, 7 o'clock, uh, Dave Schultz, uh, great speaker, uh, good author from the Global Mail. Check it out. Uh, tickets in advance are 16 bucks or $20 at the door. And uh, I think between the two of us, let's go. I think one, at least one of us should be uh, showing up to that and maybe have a little bit of a presence for the Pucks in Deep podcast. Absolutely. Why the hell not? So like I said, we got lots to get to. So a uh, quick shout out here to uh, Cody Jacobs, who's going to be joining us in our second segment. Uh, Cody's a Big Leaf fan, and uh, he's got his fingerprint uh, on the pulse of the not only the prospect pool, uh, NHL-wide, um, we'll focus a little bit more on the Leafs with him in our second segment, but then most importantly, his uh, analytical um, handle. He's got a good handle on the analytical uh, community, so I'm excited to have that talk with him, and I think that's going to generate some some really good conversation. Doing some book learning today. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do some some statistical learning, so get your uh, get your notebooks out. Um, follow us on Twitter at PuckPod. Uh, we're, we're gaining a lot of speed, actually, on Twitter lately, Lesko, and it, it's feel, I feel pretty good about that. I think you're the guy to thank. Uh, for that one, because you kind of run the show there with the Twitter Twitter account. So at that's at PuckPod on Twitter, at Coleman42, you'll find myself. 
at Lesko Adam. Uh, you'll find Lesko on on the Twitter sphere. And I know we've actually got a Twitter question to get to later oh, in boy, the show. Oh boy! So pretty excited about that. So and, excited. Yeah, and I know we got a few. Uh, we got a few more Twitter likes and shares and follows and and listens. Of course, one more time with that interview that we had with Laura Duarte. Uh, which was great. That really helped us uh, expand our, our brand. And now uh, we're moving forward and maybe we might even get some fucking credentials moving uh, moving forward in the, in the near <laughs> that's, future. That's so, the dream, man. Eh? Yeah, that's, that's the, dream. the dream. All right, so uh, let's 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 roll th- right through it, my man. Uh, where where you want to bring us first here? Bring it up to Bobby Nixon, Edmonton. Okay. That was an Why interesting. Not? That was an interesting scenario. I mean, ah, man, that's that's a weird one. Like I haven't seen I can't recall ever hearing a uh, a management figure blast a type and like so publicly like i know i i guess go back to the dallas thing a little bit like that yeah and, yeah when they called know, out sagan as, and ben as a, uh, expletive but that was direct right. to a journalist so like that was <clears throat> just a bit of a poor lapse in judgment but here you're at uh bob nicholson's out of season ticket holders like luncheon or something like a that fucking breakfast yeah and like <laughs> this is in the morning exactly yeah. and uh yeah he decides to throw uh tobias reader straight under the bus uh for those of you who don't know he got signed uh to i think like a three something million dollar sure. deal in the off season and uh, has zero goals this year and like 12 apples i think mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. down on the third line okay yeah that sucks pretty bad but so this is what bob nicholson had to say uh threw him under the bus real hard Toby oh. Reader. Okay, I'm gonna read it out. It's sure, not that ahead. long. Toby Reader will not be signed by the Edmonton Oilers at the end of this year. Toby Reader was a player that other teams wanted. He came here for one year because he wanted to play with Leon Draisaitl, who he plays with on the German national team. He thought if he wasn't playing with Le- Leon, he'd be playing with Connor, score 15, 16 goals and instead of making two million. He'd sign a four-year deal extension at three and a half million. And this is where it gets hairy. Toby Reader hasn't scored a goal. Check. Toby Reader has missed so many breakaways. Check. If Toby Reader would have scored 10 or 12 goals, we'd probably be in the playoffs. X. <laughs> like, okay, that final one is what gets me going. That one's the worst. Are you saying that Toby Reader is the reason He's why the you're difference. not in the playoffs, yeah, man? Yeah, because that one signing didn't work out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, Did come you on. forget Shirelli, did you, who the guy you just fired recently? Yeah, like the circus that's been going on with that organization yeah. all boils down to Toby fucking Reader. Yeah, give me a break. And his dozen goals. Yeah. Like the fifteen goals we're gonna get them in the playoffs. Like you I got... think their goal differential is a little more than that. I mean, he he threw him under the bus and then he put the bus in reverse and backed all the way over him and then drove over him a, a, a third time. Like yeah. it was back, forth, and over again. And I mean the guy is already gonna be gone. You don't have to say these things. You could say these things at the end of the season. I guess so, yeah. But even the, still, that last statement sure. would have drawn some fire. For yeah, sure. sure. But if it's at the end of the season, you're you're basically just talking about That's, your season and why it failed. Okay, this is a reason. This might be another reason. Oh, and you know what? A third reason. We had some poor signings. Uh, we signed, and then you just you just spin off that. You say we had some poor signings, such as Toby Reader. Toby yeah. Reader didn't score any goals for us this year. Maybe if he gets a handful, we might make the playoffs. I think you can actually understand and potentially agree with that statement at the end of the season. Well, yeah. uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. You never know. But boy, oh boy, like, like, are you really looking for someone to blame? I mean, <laughs> I know these these sponsor luncheons or whatever the hell they were at is a little more laid back there. But holy crap, like, take it easy. Yeah, tell tell them how you really feel there, Bob. I mean, between Bob Nicholson and Eugene Melnick, what like are they? 
are they calling each other here on off days and say, okay, listen, Monday, I'm going to make a fool of myself. You wait till Wednesday, maybe Thursday to do it. Like, are they coordinating these things? Because if, if one guy does something ridiculous, the other guy's got to step up and, and say, okay, I see your full house and I fucking raise you. Yeah, I mean, Eugene Melnick came right back and said, did the old hold my beer. I got this. You can't be stealing my, uh, my management spotlight here, my nasty manager spotlight. And holy crap. So this was a lot to digest. So Eugene Melnick was on uh, CFRA, local uh, Ottawa talk radio show. It used to be like crazy right-wing talk radio all the time. Right. Call, call yeah, it was, shows yeah, all day. Yeah, it was day. quite political. I know they yeah. did a bit of a rebranding, and they're not as aggressive as they once were. Um, but I used to listen to it a lot. It's a good, good station. Okay, right on. But anyways, they bring him on there, and, and he says, the first thing he said was uh, some fans aren't real fans, and I don't know who he's specifically uh, who, alluding yeah, to. Like, yeah. I guess anyone, is that like anyone who's questioning you? Like he's basically on full Trump lately. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's, Good comparison. <laughs> yeah, so then, and then he starts <laughs> chirping the, the Leafs rebuild, uh, goes off on a, a bit of a tangent there. He's like, but the, the, little bit that was the takeaway there was he says mistakes were made someone forgot about d okay well, i'll give him the benefit of the doubt here because who was the guy conducting the interview his name was bob something i think uh, right? bill carroll I bill think it yeah was. you're yeah. right bill carroll so so bill he, bill brings up the leafs so i'll give eugene the benefit of the doubt especially on the first he didn't he, he go then, right to them but then later on in the interview completely unprovoked he brings them back up again yeah and that's where I was like, oh, bro, like that's not your spot. You're in fucking last. It's going to be a, a common question, too, because the Leafs just did it. You know what I mean? And it happened way quicker than anyone could have imagined. So it's a bad comparison to make. It is. So because- I'm sure if you're Eugene or anyone within the center's organization, you probably get pretty tired of the, oh, well, the Leafs did this, and like, yeah. especially them being your rivals and whatever. Well, it is a good comparison if they had their first round pick. And I'm not saying that to be funny or to make a make slight of the fact that they made a, a, a bad trade or, or they're not going to have their pick. Ha ha, whatever you want to say. But realistically, we hit with our pick with Austin Matthews. Well, um, hit they, that pick at all, right? Yeah. I mean, we were handed Austin Matthews, basically, yeah. right? There was no real debate there. I mean, I know they tried to make a thing out of it with line A. Timely really, tanking. Yeah. Timely tanking was the case. And in this, in this case, I, I just don't think that they... I don't think they anticipated the tank. I don't think anybody could really anticipate the no. tank. I was having a good conversation uh, on this, let's go, with a buddy of mine uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it was actually a little while ago. I said, you know what? The tank is very similar to when we made that Kessel trade. And then the Leafs ended up tanking by accident. Uh, the eight That was the 18-wheeler year. Yeah, it no, took us a while no, to... Uh, no I, one expected the Leafs to finish in a lottery position and get Tyler Sagan. That's right. That's it wasn't, right. you know, it wasn't that way. So it's very similar with the Duchesne trade. They yeah. made the trade to acquire Duchesne. As it turned out, um, they just weren't expected to, to finish at the bottom of the standings. But lo and behold, here they are, and they have no pick. So the fact that you have no pick kind of means that you can't be taking jabs at the Leafs rebuild when they had their fucking pick. Yeah, I guess the other um, perspective I kind of had on this the other day was that this was an opportunity for Eugene to do some distraction tactics and some deflecting. Yeah, look over and there. And if, if you're going to curry some favor with the fans, I'm going to beak the Leafs. Because if if there's one thing that your fans can get behind, it's peaking the Leafs, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's chirping the Leafs. In and most it, cases, that's more important than cheering yeah, for it was their a, own team. It was a bit of a, a smokescreen, if you will. And, uh, I mean, I, I think Senator fans are so fed up with Melnick anyway. It's not like they're, they're yeah, Melnick, like, 
there you go. That's that's gonna build them up, build them up in their hearts or something, you know. Well, and, I know there's one fan that's behind Eugene Melnick. Oh yeah, Jack Maxwell. Jack Maxwell. What, what's his actual handle here? I know oh, you put it's it down. Like, the it's like Jack Maxwell. One four one four zero one eight five. Yeah, hundred percent a real person, right? Is that I've I've been wondering if that's some sort of like encrypted. No, I think it's some random generated number because you see it on a lot of bot accounts. Oh, okay. It's just I like didn't know that. you type okay. in something and it's like this Kind of like when you make it, a... And then it recommends some, yeah. some handle for it. So like you. when you make a new uh, Xbox uh, account and they'll give you a random one to yeah. start and the random one is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My yeah. one buddy had a random account and he kept it because he thought it was hilarious. It was, Sometimes they're pretty funny. It was, it was odorless Venus. <laughs> Odorless Venus, like one eight four six or something, and I was like, the the worst part about that is, is that there's like seventeen hundred other odorless Venuses apparently, and with you know, some number, yeah, <laughs> with the number. So okay, Jack Maxwell. I know you got your, I know you got a good handle on this one. So yeah, let's flow right into Jack Maxwell. So right around the time that these uh, quotes were coming out uh, from from Melnick, they were getting posted online. This a Twitter account surfaces out of nowhere and like starts like tweeting in support of Melnick and the sentence and what they're doing and all this, but like, so to like, to the extent where there's no way this is a, a real human being or, and I can't even tell if it's like a burner account of sorts, like Melnick's got somebody tweeting on his behalf yeah. or if there's somebody like parroting a burner account. Oh, you mean like kind of mocking it? Like mocking that idea. Cause like, I think I know, it's the former. Because I know that people have had uh, suspicions that Ottawa's been doing this for a while, or that there's been accounts out there like that right. that have been uh, like aggressively pumping their tires when no one else is. But anyway, I'll read you a couple <laughs> tidbits here just so people get the idea of what I'm talking about. But this one here, loyalty is about faith, trust, and patience. The Sens deserve that because all they do for our city be patient. Our owner is a very smart man, but please let's all buy tickets and pack the rink. Show uh, the team we love them. Buy merch plus wear no. it on the streets, loud and proud. <laughs> no one talks like that. When did somebody say, "Let's buy some merch"? Buy merch. Fucking buy it. <laughs> let's all go down to the send store and buy us some merch. You know who says buy merch? The band while they're on stage. Yeah. Hey guys, this is our final song. You can catch us after the m- show. We're gonna be selling <laughs> merch over there by the table. They are the band. <laughs> Eugene Melnick is right now being the band, saying buy our fucking merch. We got some t shirts and CDs and bumper stickers yeah. if you want them. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Trucker that's hats. Great. Oh, oh yeah. Man. But and and so there was quite a few follow up tweets as well. There the replies was, are hilarious. There was oh, they're very good. Yeah. Like run and hide Eugene or whatever. Or like one of them was like psst. psst they're on to you, yeah. Eugene. We <laughs> found like 800 you. likes. <laughs> One of the other good ones was, Sense fans should appreciate all the years ownership has supported our city. I support ownership and the team through thick and thin. Can't wait for next year. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're the worst. They're just, uh, like I said, it's, it's, there's no way somebody could have actually. Oh, and this is how you really know it can't be, can't be real. They use the term tweeps. I saw that several times. Hey, tweeps. I've. I've been on Twitter since like it was invented, and I might have seen that like two or three times in the early days. I've never even heard no it. one uses that. My favorite tweet was uh, I have a quote as here as uh, here as well. My favorite one was really impressed by what our owner said today. I was excited before this, but this has me counting down the days until next season. Come on, true hashtag sense fans, let's come together and fill the CTC next game. 
I heard the Hexagon Suite is a great deal. <laughs> uh, I might check it out. Plugging suites. He's too. plugging the suites. So actually, the Hexagon Suites uh, empty next game. <laughs> we should put that in there. We should put that in there. <laughs> Isn't that fucking great? Oh my god! It's so like it's him. I. <sighs> Can we write him a thank you letter for all the content he's supplied it? Because over the course of the season, I feel like we've spent hours just on Melnick, not even the center. A letter for fuck's sakes. Why don't we have him on? Yeah, man, he might come on. The fuck, he comes on everywhere else. He doesn't, like, I guess moral of the story of all this, too, to wrap this Melnick topic up is, well, why can't he shut up? He just won't shut up. He won't shut up. Quickly, before we move on, it was funny. Uh, it was removed, eh? It was removed temporarily because there was a moment when it, when the whole shitstorm was going down. Yeah. Someone brought my attention to it, so I went right to Twitter. Couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. So I went back to my buddy. I said, hey, I can't find it. He said, yeah, man, it literally, it literally just, just disappeared. But then only maybe an hour or not even an hour later, it resurfaced simply to reply to Jeff Merrick. Uh, Jeff Merrick. Yeah. Because Jeff Merrick said, hey, I'm going on uh, Hockey Central at noon with Doug McClain. And then he he added it. It said, how do I explain? Um, what does it say? How do I explain Jack Maxwell to Doug McClain on Hockey Central at noon? And the reply was, tell him the truth, that our owner has had more success than, quote unquote, no D at Kyle Dubas actually, <laughs> a- actually added him than Kyle Dubas will ever have. Plus that we have 17 draft picks plus top prospects in hockey. I'm so proud of the passion our owner has and admire the guts it takes to do a proper, capital letters, rebuild. Go sends go, true fans get it. And I believe that was the last one before he signed off. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything after that. (laughs) I mean, like, what is going on? That's just, uh, this is so strange, man. Like it's almost as if every, as every week goes by, I say to myself, there's just no fucking way that we can talk about the sends on the next puck pod. There's no way. But he just keeps doing it for us. I mean, he's writing the puck pod. If they signed a fucking free agent from college, I'm not going to talk about it because we don't care. We don't really announce those things all the time. Anyways, and also, these stories drown out any positivity surrounding the team. The bad PR outweighs anything good they're doing. Nobody's talking about the Sens prospect pool and the rebuild and the well, Jack is the ja- yeah draft. Well, he's really excited about it too. <laughs> he's I like they use the team the term excited almost as much as Eugene used excited in that interview earlier in the season. Right. He's like, the fans are excited. The sponsors are excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Yeah, I can tell you're excited. And and almost as many times as he uses the goddamn word rebuild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That was the other thing I could tell that it was either Eugene or a Eugene staff, uh, you know, Cronky that was hired to do, Crony that was hired to do this because of the fact that the word rebuild was in every fucking tweet. Almost every tweet had the word rebuild in it. Oh, boy. Hey, tweets. All right, let's move along. Actually, you know what? One final thing on it. If you guys want to head over to uh, Twitter or YouTube or whatever, Tim and Sid uh, from Sportsnet have a pretty hilarious segment. Uh, I found it on Twitter personally, and it's just, uh, you know, Tim, or no, Sid. It's Sid Sexero kind of goes off on his little rants every now and then. Like he ranted on this one. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty probably good. probably tore so. him good. I got to watch that. Yeah, it was good. All right. Um, what do you you want to talk a little bit about White House quickly? Uh, Brayden Holtby, Brett Connolly. Uh, well, actually, Holtby, 
uh, Holtby, Connolly, uh, and uh, what was Devontae Smith Pelly, right? Correct. The, the three, uh, the three to uh, to not attend the White House. So um, I know you had your, uh, I know you had your hands on that one. Let's go. Why don't you bring us up to speed? Yeah. So Braden Holtby was actually, uh, yeah, as Josh just said, um, opted not to visit the White House. I'm actually just trying to pull up his quote right here. Oh, here we go. Um, and yeah, just a pretty bold statement from Holtby on this. And uh, I think he uh, he actually drew a lot of praise from people. But he said, uh, my family and myself, we believe in a world where humans are treated with respect, regardless of your stature, what you're born into. You're asked to choose what side you're on. And I think it's p- pretty clear what side I'm on. Didn't really get super hyper political, didn't call it any specific issues, never named any names, just didn't talk about any, his own yeah. values and that was that didn't use any big terms like racist or sexist no, or anything no. like and, that and yeah. you don't want to draw any extra t- it was just a very expertly crafted statement and yeah. if he just came up with that at the time or prepared that himself you know that's gone on and very well done uh did you actually see the clip of them at the white house and, i didn't and know his interactions with ovi it was actually pretty entertaining it would be yeah it always is just because trump's such a goof so it's just and ovi's such a character yeah ovi's a character too yeah. and, and it was just yeah. very it was kind of awkward too with like uh ovi's like pretty broken english and yeah. stuff. And yeah, like yeah he was on the spot and he had to like say like thank you and stuff like that to him and right um here's what i'll say uh just quickly before we move on on the topic I uh, I heard Bob McKenzie um, on uh, whatever it was. Maybe I heard him on TSN. I think it might have been on Sirius. I, I liked what Bob what Bob said. I, I feel the exact same way. It's it's less about the tradition of the championship teams being invited to the White House to 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 celebrate their their victory and meet the president, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's becoming more. It's becoming more of a political problem, and sports. And politics don't really need to meet. Okay, we all we all have sides. We're all left or right, or, or if we want to talk about religion, we're all this or we're that, or we say we're atheist. Well, that's kind of a religion too, you know. Like we're all something, but we don't need to be those people while we're being entertained in the world of sports. Yeah. Watching Team A try and beat Team B, yeah. whether it's a team sport. Or a individual sport, MMA, tennis, whatever you want to call it, you're cheering yeah. on an athlete. Yeah. It has nothing to do with politics, and I understand the tradition of it all. But I think it's a it would be a smart move, especially for hockey. Hockey's not as well known as the other major sports. Okay, for hockey, maybe it's just time to say, you know what, we're just going to break away from this tradition. That's all it is, because we don't need to be in the political spotlight. We're playing sports. Fucking leave it on the field. Leave it on the ice. Yeah, it's become pretty highly politicized, and obviously, in the last few years, and especially with the storyline surrounding the uh, NBA teams, straight up just saying screw saying you no. and not yeah. going. Um, you know, it, it'd be interesting though because we're seeing more and more professional athletes using their platforms to stand for social causes. You know, Colin Kaepernick comes to mind, obviously. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, and just. Uh, NBA players, lots like you know the shirts they wear in warm up, love statements on them or yeah, lo- certain yeah. logos, and just yeah. I I I, fi- I feel like that people are starting to take advantage or professional athletes are taking advantage of their stature. And of course, they're, yeah. they're following, and, and if they believe in something enough to to wear it and to to put it out there, I I. 
I, I respect that, you yeah. know, whether or not I agree with it or not. You don't want it shoved down your throat, though. Yeah, and, and some people say, oh, you know, celebrities and their causes and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I understand what they're doing for sure. And I and nobody in hockey really does that. I'd say maybe JT Brown's the only really politically active member of the NHL that I see. Yeah. Um, he's a big Black Lives Matter guy and, yep. and uh, anti-racism kind of stuff in states and very, like, community-oriented and very active um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see more of it down the road. Well, I remember back in the day, I think it was, I don't know. I'm not going to go on record and say that this was the first time that it happened, but I remember when Tim Thomas said he wasn't yeah, going, wasn't going and that, and that, that was, was a big, big deal. deal. Cause I don't know if anyone had opted out up until that That's point I, that, I, yeah. that I can recall, but, but even then, I guess if you went back to the Bush years, I'm sure somebody didn't like him and not show up. But at that time too, this is, that would have been basically pre-social media or like mass social media. So we might not even heard about it. I remember, I remember the following season, the following season, there were signs like when the Bruins would go on the road. And then particularly, I remember a game in the 2012 season, which was the season after he elected not to go to the White House. The game was in Washington and people had signs and they were fucking funny i can't even really remember what they were i wish i could pull up like an well, old picture like but a... i remember one of them said tim thomas is a republican <laughs> or something <laughs> like that because so what was barack do you remember do you know i don't no, even he's know democrat okay yeah. barack is democrat yeah. right so that's what it was so i guess the sign the sign said tim thomas is a democrat because oh, okay. it was it's chirping, chirp him, right? yeah, it was chirping. I don't even think he's Republican. So I think he's funny. like a, some crazy libertarian hybrid. Like he's oh, okay, he's way out to lunch. Like he was like one of those Tea Party like hardcore um, anti-government. Like okay, he's probably living in a bunker with a bunch of guns, with the fucking facial protector thing on, with the skeleton mouth or whatever. Oh, who knows, <laughs> like, man? What a character. <laughs> all right, all right. That's too much political fucking jargon for me. Um, just a couple more things before we go to break. We're going to go to break, and I'm actually uh, attempting to uh, to tee it up with Cody here. Uh, hopefully, he's uh, still kicking around for this evening. Said he was good, but we'll we'll, we'll confirm that over break. Uh, yeah, a couple more things. I really wanted to bring this to your attention. I thought this was really cool. Did you or did you not happen to see what Devin Dubnik pulled um, in the game? Jeez, who were they playing? I'm going to pull it up right now on YouTube. Basically, he vacates the net. Um, in in lieu of the extra attacker to come on. Now, normally you're thinking, oh, okay, it's a delayed penalty. No, the net came off its moorings. So the net comes off. Oh, they're playing Nashville. P.K. Subban goes behind the net, and he inadvertently runs into the back of the net. So it comes off its moorings. Minnesota has possession. And it's going the other way. It's going the other yeah. way. Dubnik, the guy must know the rule book. Must know her pretty well because he sprinted off sprinted. the ice immediately. Okay, later on in the same shift, and it's weird because as soon as Nashville gets possession, the whistle will go. Yeah, because they're they're unable to score. Yeah, because the net's off. So it's actually so seems like a delayed penalty it too. Because a lot of occasions like that, the player will uh, the goalie will instinctually fix, fix the net, yeah. and he just left it off and then took off to the bench. Free time. Yeah, it was it was brilliant play and it something was, that. It wouldn't surprise me if we see more of more, yeah. very, very smart play for him to uh, to react like that in the situation because I can't recall seeing a goal ever do that. Yeah, it was really cool for me. It was funny to me, actually, I should say, because later on in the shift, Ryan Suter is like, 
you know, he's got the puck and, and you can see him. He's he's putting his hands in the air like boys. Probably had no idea the net was off either. Well, he probably thought fucking Dubnik took off because he thought there was a penalty. He's confused, yeah. So, like, Suter's concerned because what if he gives it away to Nashville and there is no penalty? Yeah. Then they can just score. Oh, man, it was it was it was pretty cool. Like it was a like you say, it was a really interesting uh, turn of events. Something that we don't see a whole lot of. And I just want to give a little shout out there to Devin Dubnik for being fucking bang on there. Like he didn't get told by anybody to do it. He just saw, hey, net's off. I'm fucking going for a skate. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. It was very smart. Yeah. Um, what was the last one here? I, I just threw this in actually just a couple minutes before the show. I wanted to get your opinion on Ilya Kovalchuk not joining the LA Kings on their three-game Western Canada road swing. He's at home with the skills and development that's coach. What, that's what they said, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't think anyone's telling Ilya Kovalchuk, stay home, you're hanging out with the coach. Work on your shot. On a road trip <laughs> for a team. And he had been scratched, I think, before this. Yes. On a team that's near the bottom of the league. So something's not right here. There's got to be something more to this, and it wouldn't surprise me if it has something to do with the guy's attitude or anything like that. Well, the coach too, Willie. he didn't sign up for this. I'm sure when he met with the Kings in the summer, it's like, yeah, you're going to live in L.A., you're going to have a great time. Obviously, a you know a choice place for people to want to live. Yeah, but also like, yeah, we're we're gearing up for another push here. We think we can get in the playoffs and do possibly do some damage. Like, he did not sign up for this, so he can't be a happy guy, and especially if if the team actually is feeling this way about him and they're scratching him and and making him stay home based on a performance sort of deal, that's I I don't think he would take that very well. So. Uh, two years left at 6.25 per. Where are the LA Kings next year? Are the LA Kings in a position to be excited that they have Ilya Kovalchuk? Like, like, let's just say he scores 26 goals next year, has a good season. Is that going to get them into the playoffs? Are we are we confident that LA is just having an off year well, and they're going to come back to relevancy next year? He's not Tobias Reader. He can't just put in <laughs> goals and get them in the playoffs, okay? Like, come on. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I... I I think they're disappointed in his output, but look around the the roster. Nobody's having a good year on that team. Jeff Carter has like two goals or something like that. Drew Doughty's minus thirty. So like from a statistical standpoint, I don't want to put a ton of weight on his stats. He's got fourteen goals, seventeen assists right now in the season. That's okay, I guess. You're you know your first season back, but on if they're a if they're a playoff team, I would expect him to be in the twenty range, right? So like he's clear, he's clearly still got something to offer. So if I'm LA, I'm trying my hardest to trade that contract. Well, that's what I'm thinking. So if you're trying, and especially to especially if him. you're souring on the player and or the the person, you're gonna be like, I don't give a shit where you want to go. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna trade you wherever. But well, he has a no move as well, which is kind of sticky. Yeah, but, which but puts the, him in the driver's seat, and uh, it won't matter though because the only teams that are wanting him are gonna be contending teams. Well, and if they're not playing him either. Like that doesn't look good for trade value. That's what I was getting at. Right? That's why I was asking you yeah. what we think about LA next year. So if they're saying no, we like the contract, we like the player. It's just the end of a shitty season, and we don't really need him busting his ass on the plane and all this bullshit. Just stay home, Ely. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe okay, but if but if it's not, and you're maybe potentially uh, entertaining the idea that you'll walk away from this or get your hands clean on a, on a trade, well then you got to play the guy. Yeah. You got to show the other teams what what yeah. his value is. 
Maybe he didn't want to go on the road trip. He's actually just sitting, <laughs> sitting at home play, playing Fortnite or playing cruising, Fortnite, having ice cream, patrolling the beach there, hanging out in Newport with Lupul or something. Man, oh man! <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what develops uh, with Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, and then, lastly, before the break, uh, I, I saw this announced. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. Um, John Cooper. So John Cooper, I didn't realize this. We don't. We don't normally realize these things because they don't talk about coach contracts very often. Uh, but John Cooper was coaching in the final year of his deal. So some people refer to that as the lame duck contract because you're, you don't know where you're headed at the end of the season. Almost a, um, uh, a Washington situation with Barry Trotz, right? So they've got the, uh, the Stanley cup, uh, winning coach coaching in his final year. He wins the cup. They don't extend him. That was a really odd, that situation, was an odd situation. Yeah. So now we had a similar situation here with John Cooper, uh, running away, breaking records this year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, winning fucking 76 games, like just being amazing, uh, but playing in the final year of his contract. So I wonder how that plays into your psyche as a coach, or maybe it doesn't play into John Cooper's psyche because perhaps throughout the season they were quietly working on this deal. I think it's a home run deal to keep this guy around for multi-years. Well, absolutely. I mean, he's been pretty much nothing but successful with the Tampa Bay Lightning, give or take a couple of years where they had so many injuries they didn't end up making the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, this is a to- very smart move by Tampa. I think smart move by him, too. I mean, it's it's clearly working there. And uh, he's brought that team to new heights, so he deserves every penny of what he's getting paid. I know we don't have the numbers yet, but I would expect him. I know Babcock kind of pushed the, pushed the envelope on – coach salary so i would expect him to be somewhere in that realm uh tampa bay being a fairly successful franchise should be able to afford to pay him what he deserves um what do you think about coach of the year oh it has to be i I think it's got to be because it's an insult if it's not i mean it's the best it's the best team we've seen like uh statistically since the what the was the 96 red wings they said and that's why it has to be yeah because it's an insult if it's not it's a complete insult to say well, you're not the best coach because of your team. Well, Jesus, fuck, man. Like, we've had amazing teams be coached poorly. I don't even want to talk about the Leafs right now. Yeah. Because I yeah. think that that kind of fucking files under that 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 category. I'm not saying he's terrible, but it, it just goes to show you, like, what if, what, if, what if the Leafs had Cooper? Do you think they would be doing better? I would vote yes. But we would never be able to figure these things out, Lesko. These are dreams. These no, are no way, these no. are 2020 hindsight that we'll never actually get to see. But you know what else I thought was interesting, and I would have never guessed this. Did you know that he's the longest tenured coach? Yeah, actually, I would have not. I would have not yeah, guessed that. And it, he's he wasn't super like he wasn't one of those big coach names. So I think he's when he first started floated under the radar. Yeah, but if you think back, like. Tampa went through a cycle through a lot of coaches, especially early in Stamkos' career. If you recall, Barry, Barry Melrose once said that he can't Stamkos can't play in the NHL. Oh yeah, so, yeah, old so mullet Melrose. Yeah, so they had some problems there in the in the early going. Um, obviously, with coaches and settling on somebody, but obviously they've uh, they've hit it out of the park here with Pook, Cooper and. Uh, I think he's going to be around for quite a while. But I mean, it goes to show you though, Lesko, the league. Okay, the league is evolving. And we all say the coaches are hired to be fired. Okay, we get that. Even the coaches that coach in this league understand that. But really, to say that the longest tenured coach, is his tenure is only six years. That's not a long time, man. We used to have coaches in the fucking league that were over a decade. You know, and it was like you wouldn't get rid of this guy because he was the team. And now I think, sorry to interrupt, I think now, just my final thought, it's just moving to a point where 
It's a window. It's a window of opportunity. And if you prove to us that you can that you can go through two windows, then we'll bring you back. Right. But we're talking at most eight to ten years and then you're fucking gone. Yeah. I think one of the one of the reasons why we see coaches getting fired maybe more frequently and obviously this year is uh, a huge difference from last year when only uh, one coach was actually fired and was at the very end of the season uh, whereas I think we're up to six or seven this year so far Uh, it's just too hard to trade nowadays right used to shake up the team in the middle of the season ah well you know let's let's help out the team let's help with the coach let's make a few moves nowadays it's so hard to trade guys and change the culture or face of your team and the easiest way to do it is fire fire the coach. It is. It's yeah. almost like a goalie pull. Almost. You say, okay, yeah. boys, we're, we don't have it right now. Uh, we're going to pull the goalie and see if we can yeah. get a spark going. Except you're not. not never sorry, come, sorry, you're not, never coming back. Though. Yeah, not, not pull the goalie. I it's mean, like, like if you pulled him and goals. then just sent him home. And that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah. Like right <laughs> off the ice, take your gear off, get the hell out of here. <laughs> One game is equivalent to an entire season in, yeah. the, in this comparison. So the whole season is a bit of a write-off. We're going to fucking fire the coach and see if we can get something kick-started. You know, it kind of worked for Chicago. It took them a little while to get the, to get the ship uh, righted. Uh, but they did make a push. You know, the only one, I think it was one one out of 10 games when Colleton first started coaching. But then after that, they started rattling off a fucking pile of victories and they almost got themselves back into it. And that was a youth movement. Yeah. Right? So we And we've seen it with Craig Berube out in St. Louis. My God. I mean, Craig Berube should be up for the for the Jack Adams. I would think so. And I it mean, wouldn't surprise me to see him at least nominated. Does um, anybody want to play St. Louis in the playoffs? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They have... One of the best uh, second halves, I think, in the NHL. So, all right. But I think Coop's. I think Coop's got to get it though for the coach of the year. Has I, to. I, I I think this year isn't going to be one of those. Hey, we thought you were going to be bad, but now you're good type deals. Yeah. I.e. Barry Trotz, and yeah. not to say he's not a good coach or not deserving. But I think given what Tampa Lightning have accomplished, all the records, all that shit, yeah. it's got to be a slam dunk. Coop and Cooch will easily be two of their award winners. Absolutely. And I mean, you could throw Hedman in there. For yeah, a Norris, and you could throw Vasilevsky in there for a Did fucking Did you watch Vesna. any of the Boston Tampa Bay game from the other day? Uh, no, I was out. Oh, what a crazy it game! It was. It was. Some coming have been back. One to watch because I actually yeah. had watched the highlights and I tried to find it on TV and I couldn't get it. But uh, we're just a, a crazy game. Well, yeah. Battle of the Beasts. Yeah, we got to hope that the fucking Leafs are going to be up there in terms of beasts as well at some point. All right, so we're playing us off. We're going to go to a quick break. I actually just got a, uh, I just got a message there from Cody. So he is live. Uh, he's ready to go. He says, give me five minutes. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring, uh, we'll bring Cody on right away. Eh? We'll do Leafs yep. and we'll do everything with Cody on the line. Yep. So we'll have a good little, uh, we'll probably have at least, I'd say, maybe a half hour or so uh, with Cody. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So don't go away. Pucks and D podcast coming right back with a special guest, Cody Jacobs. Don't go away. All right, we're back here, uh, Puck Pod, episode 27. 27, let's go. 27. I said that to my buddy the other day. I said, fuck, we're 27 deep here. We're we're coming on to it. We're going to be pretty old soon. We're going to be old news before we were ever even fucking news at all. That's not good. <laughs> all right, so uh, we're back from break, and we've uh, we've teed up our call. As promised, we got Cody Jacobs on the line. Cody is a uh, diehard Leaf fan. 
currently residing in uh, Peterborough, Ontario. And uh, Cody, if I understand correctly, I know that you're uh, a pretty big fan of the Peterborough Peets. You get to uh, quite a few games down there at the at the Peterborough Memorial Center, or what? Yeah, I uh, I take in probably way too more than I need to. Um, <laughs> but if if it means watching Oshawa struggle. It's worth it. <laughs> okay, so you're you're into it deep enough that you've got some some rivalry notes to to make, don't you? Yeah, I got uh, a couple buddies teed up that I know are going to be watching this tonight, and uh, I want to take some shots at them. Oh, uh, nice. Right okay. After game one and game two, I had nothing nothing to talk about. Like we got we got stomped both games. Oh, really? Is that what the series is at now? Then, Cody, is it O two? Uh, we we climbed back last night at home. Oh, we, okay, nice. Yeah, we we lost game one seven nothing. And wow, that was that was heartbreaking. Oh, geez. Well, let's hope the Leafs don't start off like that against the Bruins here. Oh, boy. This don't, spring. Even, don't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We all know my fucking confidence level going into it. I love being proved wrong. If there's one thing I love, it's being wrong. You well, know? but I also love being right. But I'll I like be ready being for it. OK. All right. I am ready for it. Speaking of the Leafs, let's dive right in. Uh, of course, we got Cody Jacobs on the line again. Cody, maybe do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself or what? Like you grew up a Leaf fan. Did you did, Were you born and raised in Peterborough? How did you stumble across the uh, the blue and white? I mean, I've been a Leaf fan since I can remember. Like I just I remember hockey always being on every Saturday. Okay. That was, that was the thing. And, you know, back in the day, Don Cherry was one of my idols. And now I can't stand the guy. But I mean, <laughs> We're right uh, on board there. I'm I'm right on board with you there. Cody. You grow out of them. Yeah, you grow, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I just I just grew up into. And I mean, I've been I've been around Peterborough my whole life. I've always been a Pete's fan. It's a nice area. It is actually quite nice, and uh, it's all Leaf Nation in Ontario. I find it's no true. Where you go? Yeah, it's really right. true, Cody. My fiance is uh, going to school right now uh, at Trent University. And yeah. uh, so I spend some time, uh, you know, down there on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, trying to hang out with her as much as I can. Um, and it's funny because it's the PMC eh, in Peterborough and it's the PMC here in Pembroke, the, the Pembroke Memorial Center. So when you're in one of our group chats, of course, and every time I'm mentioning yeah. the PMC, you're like, listen, stop calling it the fucking PMC. <laughs> OK, it's the yeah. Pe- it's the Peterborough Memorial Center. So we're, we'll have to agree to disagree every, on that. Every one. time I see that, I'm like, what the fuck? You didn't even reach out and talk to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dig in the history there. Like, which one is built? Because they're both really old barns, too. Yeah, I think the. I think the Pembroke Memorial Center could be older, man. That like is a hundred years old. Old fucking burn. That's, yeah. that's definitely something I got to look up now. Yeah, right. we got to find out who owns that. Well, and we'll, then we're yeah. we're making a copyright claim, and somebody's going to change it. Okay, all right, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. All anyway, right. well, thanks for joining us, Cody. We really appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy uh, the next half hour or so of being on the program. Six oh six, as we as we uh, get going here right now. What time is the Leaf game starting? Let's seven o'clock. It is at seven, eh? So we'll, we'll we'll definitely have this shit wrapped up by the time the Leaf game uh, gets going. Big game against uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Let me ask you this right off the get go, Cody. Since we're since I'm teeing up the game tonight against the Flyers, what is your thought process behind uh, Freddie Anderson getting the start tonight in Philly? Because as I understand, um, you know, a lot of the Leaf Nation fans are uh, maybe a little bit upset to see uh, Freddie Anderson starting in a a position where he's kind of been struggling uh, lately, not a great save percentage, but he wants to get back on that horse. Um, so how do you look at that as far, as far as a personnel decision by Mike Babcock and the coaching staff? I mean, I, I definitely have some issues with Mike Babcock and his decisions, but I, I don't have an issue with the Freddie Anderson one. I think if he is struggling, he needs to work out of that. 
Um, from what I heard, Mike Babcock asked Freddie Anderson, "What do you want? Okay. What games do you want off?" So I can't I can't knock Mike Babcock for that decision. If Freddie told him he wants to play, why not play your starter? He needs to needs to figure it out before the playoffs. Okay, I I, I like that. So you're kind of in the in the camp where you know if he's if he's struggling a little bit. Uh, maybe let's give them some of the uh, more accessible games, like the games against Philly, uh, other teams that are you know potentially out of the playoff race, uh, and try and get them back on the saddle, as opposed to throw them in uh, you know against the uh, high flying teams uh, in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. Yeah, I think that definitely plays a part of it. I mean, with six games left, I would probably just rotate. Go Anderson tonight, and then come with Sparks on Saturday versus Sens. No, I'm going to that go game. <laughs> yeah, we can't fuck the Ottawa Valley's uh, Leaf fans here. Like we already saw Sparks. We want to see Freddie. Come on, maybe we that's want to see Freddie. Yeah. yeah, we got shellacked last time when the fucking building I mean, was if, full if of Brady boys. says he wants to go, give it to Freddie again. Why not? Yeah. That's three days break. He's not. Yeah, like he's not gonna tire himself out. He played more games last year than he will this season. That, true, that's true, and I gotta agree with you there, Cody. Because I think at this point in the season, if if you're Frederick Anderson or you're the coaching staff, you want to make sure Freddie's ready to go day one of the playoffs. So if that means, you know, feeling him out and saying you want this start, and he says hell yeah, then you're gonna give it to him. You're not gonna be like, no, I don't think you should be starting. I think you should rest. I mean. It's it's these aren't meaningful games really in the grand scheme of the standings, right? So the most important thing is making sure Freddie's happy, Freddie's in his group. So if he wants to play, you got to play him. Yeah, I mean, I see I see a lot of fans saying, "Oh, it's not an important game. It's not an important game." Well, if we win tonight and we get our cards right tomorrow night with a loss for Columbus, we're locked in. Yeah, that's right. Like, so why, why not lock in now? Why why make it a nail biter if you don't have to? Yeah, I agree with you on that as well from the from the fans' perspective because it's like enough's enough, right? I mean, had they not had that little uh, nap there a couple of weeks ago and, and went on that bit of a skid, we'd probably be clinched by now. So let's not draw this out. Let's get it done and get focused on the postseason. Absolutely. All right, like so so listen, one let's, let's stay on goaltending for a quick moment. That game uh, against the Rangers uh, this past Saturday uh, where Georgiev – uh, gets the Rangers uh, a huge uh, road victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, if you recall, Cody, I was pretty vocal in the uh, in in the chat group that we have there. I was pretty disappointed. I wouldn't say disappointed in the effort; the the effort was there. But I'm disapp- I was disappointed at basically having to sit on my hands and say, "Well, we got beat by another hot goalie." You know, is there a is there a time where at some point you can say, "You know what"? Hot goalie or not, this team is way too good to be shut out. I don't care who it is. Or do you think it's just acceptable to say, okay, you know what? That's another hot guy that we ran into tonight. I would say it depends how many times it happens. If you're making that excuse that, oh, we ran into a hot goalie more games than not, then chances are that's not the case. Right. Right. With Gorgiev, it was... I felt we ran into a hot goalie. I thought there was numerous chances. Matthews hit the side of the net like three times. That's mm-hmm. just kind of puck luck, I guess. But yeah, we are too elite of a team for this to happen more than once in a blue moon. Yeah, yeah. and then we go out and get seven on the Panthers, and, and you've got your average sheepish kind of fan saying like, well, there's the team I know, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> they fucking Florida. I mean, like, it, yeah. With- 
Well, and I don't even know the goalie's name that started for Florida. Montembeau? Exactly. Yeah. Montembeau. He got chased in five minutes, too. Yeah, four minutes. Yeah. yeah. Poor so guy. Like, see you later. Like, yeah, we still lit up Luongo, but, like, I mean, we went in against a goalie. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we want to talk. We're, we're going to put up seven. Yeah, and then and we, we did, but then we gave up five. Yeah, it was points night, and like if if you're you want to go back to goaltending, uh, you know, coaching decisions and whatnot, who served that guy up in the platter for the Leafs and said, "Nah, Lou, you take the night off." And I know Lou's not a hundred percent, and he, he might be hitting the end of the road, but oh yeah, kid, yeah, you barely played in the NHL. You're 22 years old. Here, let's uh, we'll send you out against one of the best offenses in the NHL. Yeah, and they and they had James Reimer, a former Leaf, as a healthy scratch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what was strange about that, I know we do, this isn't Florida fucking Panthers hour here, but like, what was strange about that was the following game in Montreal, it, it was supposed to be Luongo, but they didn't go with Luongo because he had to come in and play almost the entire yeah. game against the Leafs. So they went with Reimer against Montreal with Montembeau backing up. Hmm. So they basically just said, okay, Lou, you came in. You know, you played almost the entire game after we had to yank there and Monty there. So now you can sit in the press box and eat popcorn while we play your your childhood team in the Montreal Canadiens. And yeah. Reimer just got lit up. Uh, glove hand goal, glove hand goal, glove hand goal. We all know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Reimer wanted the Leafs bat. Oh, I bet he did. Absolutely. I always think that those are automatics. Like if I'm the coach or or whoever whomever's making that decision. And let's go. You're yeah. a player, and you used to play for the Vancouver Canucks, a fan favorite out there. You bet your ass I'm playing you Absolutely. against the Canucks, whether it's on their ice or ours. You see that an awful lot, and uh, I I know the I read earlier. Well, I think it was thirty month thoughts or whatever, but they had mentioned that the initial plan was to have Luongo starting in Montreal, and because he had to come in in relief in that game, which I could have told you that was going to happen before <laughs> the game, uh, that changed no, all their plans. I think it would have been smarter for them to have Reimer coming in 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 relief and give Luongo that start against the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, that's his that's his boyhood team, right? So yeah. it seems fitting. But yeah. who knows? It it seems so odd that Florida's having so many issues when I do look at their roster on paper, though. Oh God, I'll I'll probably have them pegged for playoffs next year. As yeah. as I I'm pretty sure I had them pegged for playoffs this year. I'll probably do it again next year. Yeah, like <laughs> Huberto and Barkoff right now are two of the hottest players in the NHL. Even Dadanov is really making a name for himself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And they got some like, tough guys. They got Mackenzie Weger. Uh, you know, he's doing yeoman's work with the fisticuffs, knocking guys like Paul Byron out of the lineup uh, in a meaningless game. Kind of a shit show there for Montreal, but I guess you yeah, take, I'm just, take I'm what you I'm not sure dealt. what they need to put it all together. And, but anyway, like you said, it wasn't Florida Panther hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's let's dial it back in, man. Last thing on goaltenders, I want to ask you about Garrett Sparks because um, throughout the course of the season, I've been fairly vocal in my... Uh, assessment that I don't have any confidence uh, in Garrick Sparks. I believe more often than not, you can actually see it uh, in the team. The team seems to be a little more timid, a little less uh, open uh, to be to be making mistakes out there because one small mistake is probably going to end up in the fucking net. Uh, I think recently, though, he's been a lot better, like a lot better, enough to say, okay, Josh Coleman, shut your mouth about not liking him because he's been playing really well. At some point, you have to flip that card over and say, you know what, he's changing my mind. Uh, and he's kind of been doing that recently. Uh, actually, since March 1st, he's got a much better save percentage than Frederick Anderson. Mm -hmm. So what can you say negatively about the guy, if anything, right now? I think a pretty solid bounce-back victory against the Buffalo Sabres last week. Yeah, he definitely struggled at the start of the season, and... 
despite his struggling, he was putting up wins. The Leafs' offense was completely torching the league, and his record kind of made him look a little better than what he had shown on the ice. Having said that, you did mention that he was better of late. I've, I've noticed that he has been better of late, but he still just, he makes me nervous when I watch him in net. He's very scrambly. Uh, he gives off juicy rebounds quite often. Having said that, for signing him next season at league minimum, I'm like, whatever. We're playing Freddie quite often, and you're not going to get a cheaper option. So, I mean, would I like to see Hutch up? Probably, but I'm not going to be upset about it. No, we don't have the money for that, and, and realistically, your backup goaltender is not winning you the Stanley Cup. Let's be honest here. No, I'm I'm waiting for that game where we see Sparks absolutely shut down a team, make game breaking saves. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really it's, you you just keep waiting. It's almost like like I've been waiting since 2016 to make Jake Gardner look good somehow. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I don't think it'll happen with Sparks. Uh, for my assessment, anyway, the fucking guy. In the 300 section, the popcorn guy raises his arm trying to sell a bag of popcorn, and fucking Sparks is already selling out to make a save. Like he's just—he's so aggressive on, on yeah. everything. And I mean, the guy's what six four, six five. Yeah. He's a big boy, and he looks like Darren Pang sometimes. Yeah, I think uh, when a shot yeah. comes in, I think it's a lot of it's going to come down to coaching as well because. He has all the right tools, right? But you notice, and we just kind of alluded to that, that he overplays shots. He overplays pucks. He he almost has that, that McElhaney, Reimer-esque bit to him where he, he looks lost. He's swimming a lot, things like that, which is not really something that inspires confidence in the team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird to say, but I like Hutch because he's a right-handed goalie. It's, I agree it's, with that, yeah. It's a, it's a mind it's, fuck. It's a throw-off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people will say, like, whatever, you're catching with both hands. No, it's a throw-off when you get used to shooting against all left-handed goalies. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, everyone knows. I mean, it's funny because uh, we've never broken the code to make the save, but everybody knows that that 18 inches off the ice on the left-hand side of the net is an easy is an easy spot to pick. That's the low blocker. And if you're a left-handed shooting player, it becomes even more simple to just snap that shot over the pad and under the blocker. But now all of a sudden you're facing a southpaw catching goaltender who catches with his right hand. And that's just easily right into his glove all day long. So I agree. I think it's definitely a, a throw-off uh, for the opposition. And, and I, do, I do like to have that option. But, you know, in an ideal world, we see Garrett Sparks emerge, like you said, Cody. I think we see him emerge. We see him have uh, some back-to-back moments. And I really do think that I agree with what you're saying about Freddie. If Freddie says he wants to go, then you got to go. But I'd also, I also would have liked to have seen maybe just a complete reversal of the roles and say, okay, listen, guys, Freddie, you're the backup until the end of the season. Sparky, you're our fucking guy. So now Sparks can go home. He can nap. He can eat. He can sleep. He can wake up in the morning and know that he's the starter for the next like two weeks of his life, you know, and go back to that time when he was a bona fide starter in the AHL. He had a schedule. He had tendencies that he would want to do when he had his fucking protein shake and when he took a nap as the starting goaltender i would have liked to have seen some confidence instilled in the young netminder in that way to increase if anything increase some trade value increase our confident level as fans in the goaltender i think that would have been an interesting way to look at it towards the end of the season i would definitely agree the one thing that I liked this morning from a Frederick Anderson quote, uh, he'd mentioned that this is like the preseason for him now. So, I mean, if if he wants to play and get ready for Boston, I'm all for it. I mean, 
I have no issue playing Anderson five out of the next six games if he wants to. Yeah, if he's if he's feeling up for it, right? Because to be completely honest with you, Cody, I don't know about you. I don't know about you either, Lesko. I haven't necessarily seen with my eyeballs uh, Frederick Anderson being tired. I haven't. Yeah, there's been no indication in any way that he's he's out of it or tired or whatever. And I I know that's what uh, everyone immediately blamed when he when he had that shitty week. Everyone's going back to the oh load management and should he be taking games off? Should he be resting? Should he be starting this many games? That many games? Um, clearly, Frederick Anderson doesn't think his number of starts are an issue, and uh, you got to have confidence in a guy who has confidence in himself. Yeah, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I do believe last season he had a heavier workload in terms of shots faced. Not only that, but he played 66 out of 82 games last year. That's a lot of yeah. games. That is a lot of games for a starter, and I mean, we had McElhaney then. I don't see why we want to dial back Anderson this season a heck of a lot more when we have Garrett Sparks. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the backup option is not quite as nice, or at least uh, looking just on the surface numbers doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. But credit where credit's due, he did bounce back against Buffalo. Um, I thought that one save in particular on the breakaway goal that could have really changed the Leafs' fortunes in that game, and he made a huge save for the boys there and uh, really helped them uh, generate some momentum back the other way. Yeah, I definitely I definitely like that breakaway save too. That's that's what I mean. Like He needs to string a couple of those together, gain that momentum, and just hope it sticks. Yeah, I would expect we're going to see him maybe a couple times next week. I think the last uh, batch of games for the Leafs was like four and seven days or something like that. So undoubtedly we see him at least a couple more times before the end of the year. Uh, We also got some bodies coming back from the IR, hopefully on the defensive end of things. Um, I know one of the bigger stories in amongst this was the fact that Callie Rosen is on his way to the NHL, it sounds like. Uh, I think Babcock had mentioned that he was going to give him about one more game before calling him up. Uh, you, you spend much time watching Rosen this year, Cody? I haven't seen a lot of the Marlies, but what I have seen of the Marlies, he, he's been steady. Um, I'm not I'm not sold on him. I don't I don't know how much more of an upgrade he really will be on Marinson, as weird as that is to say. Right. Like, that's until I actually see him at the NHL level again, like I did last season. I, you, it's hard to transpire what he's going to be from the AHL to the NHL level. So you're he, kind of... Sorry, Cody. So you're kind of putting him on like a you're putting him on like a prove it kind of basis right now. Prove that you prove that you deserve to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even even if he does prove it, I don't see him sticking around. Dermot's not far off. Gardner has been skating. I don't know how promising that is, but when Dermot comes back, I got to think Rosen's see you later again. Yeah, oh, um, man, it must be gorgeous down in Peterborough. What are you feeding the seagulls down there, Cody? Absolutely. I am sitting at a picnic table and loving life down here. Out of boy. Out of oh, boy. Yeah. So listen, uh, you, you talked about Jake Gardner. Why is that so quiet? What's going on there? Because throughout the season, we've had a lot more um, transparency as a team. I think we all yeah, grew accustomed. Yeah, we all yeah. grew accustomed to the whole shrouded in clouds of a misconception, and Lou Lamorello never wanted to, you know, disclose anything to the media. And then all of a sudden, this year we've had almost full disclosure, a lot of transparency. But this Jake Gardner thing is a little hush hush for me. And I know just recently, Cody, within the last couple of weeks. It was rumored that he may have been headed towards being shut down uh, for the season with with back surgery. So some pretty interesting uh, turmoil there for Jake Gardner. Uh, have you have at any latest uh, on Jake and when we can see him back? Uh, all I know is he's been skating. 
and I don't I don't see that as promising at all. Even though he's on skates, I I mean I guess he's not crippled in a chair, right? But I mean he's not taking any contact. He's skating by himself. Uh, yeah, and the last I heard, he was going to be shut down for the season, which I think it would hurt us. Oh, it actually would. That's I'm worst not, case I'm scenario. Not, I'm not a big Gardner fan, but I do believe he brings offense that would help us be deeper on the blue line. Like, let's not kid ourselves that Justin Hall and Martin Marinson are doing what Jake Gardner can do. No, of course not. And, and, and you and I, you and I tend to agree more often than not, Cody, when we get into those big debates uh, in, in the chat group there, you know, uh, realistically at the end of the day, I don't care how much issue you have with Jake Gardner. He is a way better option, both offensively and defensively than anyone else we have right now to fill that spot. Yeah, like would, ha- hands totally down. Agree. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. So you can't complain about the guy. Like when he went down and people were on fucking online being like, "Oh, good. Like this is this is a this is a positive thing for the team." Like you, yeah, you're you, out of your mind. You so. are the reason why we need a fucking plague. Yeah, you know, you're, like yeah. <laughs> like this is, you're so off base. Like you, <laughs> I have problems with the guy. A lot of my closest friends would call me the the most anti gardener guy that they know. But that's just because I'm vocal and I'm outspoken. But at the end of the day, I'm also not a fucking idiot. Like, I know that we need this guy in the lineup, and we're seeing it more than ever right now. Yeah, I mean, like, if if I have any issue with the lineup right now, it's... I understand we're probably trying to use it as trade bait, but, I mean, Connor Brown, what what has he done? Yeah. Like, we're sitting Trevor Moore tonight because Connor Brown needs to play or Tyler Ennis needs to play. It just doesn't make sense to me at all that... Connor Brown is not held accountable just like the young kids are that are performing well. Well, I think it would be a better scenario for the Connor Brown camp uh, if our penalty kill was in the top five, top ten uh, in the NHL. I don't have it in front of me, exactly. but I believe we're somewhere just above the uh, just above the the halfway mark in the league, right? So, I mean, he's a good penalty killer. He brings that to the table. But it's not like he's got seven shorties and we're sixth in the NHL on the penalty kill. He's playing like a replacement-level player. So I don't understand exactly like you said, Cody, why the accountability is not extended to guys like him. And you could apply that to a lot of people. I mean, some people point to Patrick Marlowe, and maybe not. you're not going to scratch Marlowe, but the level of ice time that the guy gets. Um, Ron Hainsey being another one, although I think he has stepped up his play quite a bit as of late. I, I have really liked Ron Hainsey's game lately. Same here. Um, which is weird because last season he started out fantastic and the second half of the season was absolutely garbage. Yeah, I, re- I remember He just that. looked burnt right out. So this season here, I was like, oh man, he's toast. But he's been steady all year. I mean, he has Ron Hainsey moments, but he's no Nikita Zaitsev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, oh, man, I mean, I really enjoyed... Um, it seems the more I learn about Ron Hainsey, the more I like the guy, and I really enjoyed how he he jumped that guy last uh, the other day on uh, against Florida, and then that I don't know if you saw that that uh, that Jeff online that made the rounds, but uh, buddy just irate with him, screaming at him, Losing. and then it cuts over to Hainsey, and he's just sucking back the Gato and looking straight forward. Doesn't give a fuck. Not a care in the world. Not a care. Way didn't too even old know, for that. Didn't even know the guy was in there in the same box with him. <laughs> yeah, freshly freshly turned 38-year-old Ron Hainsey out there just yeah. trolling the kids. Being just, a good pro. Well, I know. Uh, being Ka- a good pro. He's eating his Wheaties. <laughs> yeah, and I know Kadri gave it to him too because he scored a goal, I think, and uh, him and Kadri were beaking back and forth, and uh, somebody overheard Kadri on the broadcast 
He's like, what's that? How many goals you got? Oh, seven. That's a career high for you, eh? <laughs> well, that's the bold look from Kadri, though. He's struggling right now. Yeah, I know. We true. could use a goal or two out of him. And considering the matchups the guys get, you, you'd expect more. Uh, no? It's, it's at a point where I'm quite frustrated that he's on the first power play unit just standing in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, being a like, pedestrian the out there. The puck dies with him. Like, as soon as he gets the puck, he, he, he overthinks it way too much. Yeah, it's true. He he's either not moving it quick enough, or oddly enough, he's moving it too quickly. And both yeah, of, both of yeah, those are like, not good things. You got to either be a play like if you're going to move it on a one touch play, Naz, you got to be ahead of the play. You have to be one play ahead if you're going to one touch. And if, and if you're not yeah. going to one touch, then you have to be able to settle it and pull that fucking trigger. And you know, both times we're not seeing it out of the guy. I'm not seeing it on on either end of the spectrum. It is. You're right. You're right, Cody. It's it's frustrating as a fan. Yeah, and I mean, you do see that he has a low shooting percentage this year. Like, you expect things are going to turn around. But, I mean, there's six games left in the season. Like, I am I am nervous going into Boston because, like, we have our demons with them and we have our own inner struggles right now. Like, Marlowe and Kapanen, like, they're just starting to score again, but they still only have two, two goals apiece in the last 13 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kadri as well has gone pretty cold. So, and you got to think uh... – and we often see this in the playoffs where it's not necessarily your first two lines that win you the series. They should, and that's an ideal scenario. But a guy like Kadri being one of the more experienced of the bunch, I mean, he's got to step up in a big way, and he owes us a couple games from last year because he had to uh, go and flatten Buddy there into the boards, paste him onto the ad reads, and get suspended. Yeah, that, that sucked. That was at a terrible time. But, you know, if we're talking about the playoffs real quick, I – I'm not super confident in Kadri's play as we speak right now, but I feel that at this point in his career, given, like you say, Lesko, what he's been through, specifically with this team, the bad, the good, mostly bad, I feel pretty confident in thinking that that could be a guy that could be a difference maker come playoffs. I would totally agree. Um, if he brings that physical edge that we all know he has, like it's, we don't need to add physicality at the deadline as much as we said we did if Kadri can step up his game like he normally does. It's true. And let's go your point about having favorable matchups really factors in here because if we're bringing Cody's physicality and Lesko's lineup uh, matchups, okay, he has a chance to run over some guys, some guys that and have, score some goals, some guys that have fucking fifty six yeah. games in the in their career in this league. You know, Kadri's probably approaching that number in playoff games. Yeah. You but know, I know he's, he's not. But if like he's not saying. doing both, he's got to be doing one or the other. So yeah. if he's not scoring goals, he better be mucking it up in the corners and in front of the net and causing havoc out there for the opposition. Yeah, there's there's no doubt we need Kadri to be that player. Do, do we need him to cross a line like he did back in the Boston series last time around? No. I understand why he threw the hit that he hit, but we don't we don't need him to go out there and just get himself suspended with a dirty hit. We need him to change momentum and give the guys some confidence that, yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up. So what kind of kind of be a little bit of our version of Marshand to kind of have a, an answer, an answer to his to his game, his mind game? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we need we need him to be the pest that Nazem Kadri can be like we know he's a chirper, but, you know, show it on the ice. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I'm just a fan of that kind of play as well. So not only is it entertaining for me as a fan, uh, but I know that that can uh, 
I know it's not something we can quantify necessarily, but it definitely plays a role in terms of momentum and, uh, you know, just firing up the boys on the bench, right? Yeah, and I mean, ideally you don't want Kadri to be that role, I don't think. But who else is going to do it? Are you going to see William Nylander or Austin Matthews out there dropping the gloves and showing yeah. a message? Not yeah. a chance, Hardly. right? Yes. And you don't want them to either, so. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's I, let, let, I, I'm, go ahead. I'm on the opposite. What's that? I, I want to see them drop the gloves at some point in maybe not the first couple games, but like if things get heated, drop them. Yeah. yeah like, who's he going to fight? Like, don't, don't think you're a young kid in the league anymore. Like you're in the playoffs. Be big boys. That's yeah. right. Who, well, who is fucking William Nylander going to fight? Pasternak. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what? William Nylander has trained with Rich Clune quite a bit in MMA. I'm, I I want to see him do it. Oh, interesting! Oh, I never knew that. I never heard that. I know yeah. you're. An, I know you're a big MMA guy, Cody. So that's an interesting take from your from your yeah, perspective. Back I like when that. Nylander was with the Marlies, he he was living with Rich Clune, and Clune was uh, training with him in some MMA. Well, then drop someone, <laughs> Willie. I just like you know even doesn't not necessarily drop the gloves, but I just want to see some some emotion. Like I want to see them fired up. I want to see them get pissed off. Yeah. I know they're not supposed to get off their game and be cool, but like, man, hockey's an emotional sport. The playoffs yep. are peak emotions and adrenaline. Like, let's see some emotion, win or lose, in all those hockey games. And, I mean, like, we match up probably better against the Lightning, but that's not the case that's happening. Like, you know what the Boston Bruins are going to bring. Like, Marshan and Chara are not going to play nice. Oh, and they never have. Every series we play they against have their them. their new enforcer, David Backus, there, making <laughs> a few million to scrap some people now. Exactly. So. It's prison rules sometimes in the playoffs, especially in those tight games going to the third period. The whistles are getting buried, and you gotta you have to know how to take advantage of that. And sometimes it's an experience thing because I've noticed that in almost every time we've played the Bruins, is that they're getting in those extra shots, pushed those around. extra slashes, yeah. those yeah. oh I'm gonna, just gonna push your head in the ice because I know this isn't getting called right now. The intimidation plays. Yeah, and and again, not something you can quantify, but don't don't for a minute think you can dismiss that type of play and the benefits it can have in a game in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, Cody, let's let's take it off the ice just for a moment before we uh, dive into the uh, analytical discussion and the prospects discussion. Uh, I did want to uh, have get your take on this because I know we've discussed it several times in our in our chat group that we're a part of there together, you and I. the The media reporting a uh, potential rift between Mike Babcock uh, and Kyle Dubas. Um, have you read anything uh, about this, Cody? Have you looked at any of the articles online? Do you have a take uh, on this at all? I- I'd like to hear it if you do. Honestly, I haven't really looked into it. I mean, I would probably say a good amount of coaches and GMs don't meet eye to eye all the time. This this came out at a weird time. Like, why going into the playoffs? Well, I mean, that's kind of why I ask about it, because normally I don't like to be the guy that fuels, like adds fuel to these kinds of fires. I want to add fuel to lineup fires and things that we can actually see on a nightly basis. I think this is bullshit. I don't like to fuel this fire. However, the reason why I am today is because I am one of those people that is growing frustrated uh, with with Babcock. I think you alluded to it earlier, Cody, when we talked about it uh, briefly just a few minutes ago. You said, you know, you're a little bit uh, aggravated at some of the Babcocky and decisions that we've seen this year. And I think mostly Leafs Nation can agree upon that. Um, and th- that that would be the reason why I'm bringing it up is because 
if if it's happening now, I'm wondering if it's I'm wondering if it's because it's becoming more of a prominent issue than it was before. Yeah, it's it's definitely more of an issue than it's ever been um, for me this season. Um, but I mean, I haven't. I don't see any reason that Mike Babcock should be on the hot seat. I don't see any reason for that yet. I mean, we're still top five in the league. Everything's kind of mediocre on the power play and penalty kill at times, but that's also not totally on Babcock himself. Right. Um, you don't think he's on comes... the hot seat if we get beat in five games? Not yet. Not hot yet. Not yet. I hot now, is that, is that mostly because of the contract, or is that just because, hey, I know there's things we don't like, but overall the picture is good? I I think Dubas would would go one more year with Babcock. I could be wrong, but I I feel like he would he's expecting Babcock to fail again maybe next year with the Keefe extension. I know Keefe's I'm glad you brought that up. Item. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's why I really wanted to talk to you about this because the timing of it all is very curious uh for me. I mean, we've got the report coming out that MLSE is working on extending Sheldon Keefe. Uh, you know, Cody, I'm a huge Keefe fan. Uh, I realize that there's there's definitely Pembroke-related bias here from his time uh, bringing championships to the Ottawa Valley, uh, you know, representing Pembroke on the national scale, winning a national title, and then moving on uh, to the ranks in the junior level, taking a, a terrible Sault Ste. Marie squad to first place and winning a championship there. Moving on to the Marlies, I don't tend to give him as much credit for the Marlies because it's an AHL squad, right? You've got varying age levels of players, but that was a pretty young squad that he won with there as well. You know, so I, I'm a huge Keefe guy. I, I just, I can't get over the hump that, I firmly believe that Dubis is constructing a roster meant to be coached by Sheldon Keefe, his guy. And if we got if we got ousted by the Bruins in a relatively easy affair for them, five, maybe even six games if we never were in it, you know, going down 3-1 or something like that, I, I feel like that seat might be a little fucking hot, uh, especially with this contract extension in the works for Sheldon Keefe. I would agree. He would probably feel some pressure. Do I think it happens? No. You know, I, I talked about it last week a little bit as well. You know, we figured that he might be feeling a bit of pressure and that for probably the first time in his tenure as coach, he could be on a bit of a hot seat, whether it's imagined or not. But, uh, you know, I, I, I also lean towards what you're saying, Cody, is that, and I, I would attribute this to Kyle Dubas, is that he's not a very reactionary guy. And I don't think he's going to hinge his future on this on this outcome. But say they do get spanked, the seat's got to heat up a little bit in the off season for Babcock to say, "All right, this year we need to do something." Or Babcock might know that it's curtains. If if we got swept, I'd I'd be thinking about it. Fired. If we get swept, he is fired. I mean, like <laughs> man, get... he he had to go to Arizona and 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 kiss his franchise player's ass and rub his balls. Because because there was a riff there. And then we go and sign Matthews for seven fucking years. Well, guess what, Mike? Matthews is a little bit more important than you are. And what if that fucking relationship is deteriorating to a worse degree? I mean, I think there's a little bit more going on behind the scenes, more than just wins and losses. Especially when we move into next season, when you say, okay, you know what, let's say we lose, let's just say we lose to the Bruins in a hard-fought six or seven game series. It could have went either way. Well, I agree. I don't think he's gone. But I think now, 
it becomes way more important for this team to fucking have home ice advantage because that will be the determining factor. Okay, well, they've beat us a bunch, but we've never had home ice advantage. So now moving into the 2019-2020 season, it'll be imperative that we finish ahead of them. So if we start anything less than, you know, with a .70 winning average, he could be on the hot seat again coming into October, November of next season. Do you think certain players approach Kyle Dubas about Mike Babcock? I'm sure they would if like, they had something to say. Or at least, yeah, like, I know Bob... I'm or, wondering if it was split. Like, maybe you have players like Austin Matthews or, I don't know, William Nylander or something like that just coming to Kyle Dubas, like, you know, like, I can't buy into this guy's system. But then you might have players on the flip side, like John Tavares, who might have came here because he's played for Mike Babcock. He enjoys this. He's and thriving. Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. Like his decision I mean, to come here was based a lot on on Mike Babcock. I I feel like he's lost some of the room, but I don't believe it's fifty fifty either. I, I'm sure he's still got seventy percent of that room listening. Right. They just want to win a cup. Yes, you of course. I mean? yeah. And he and knows how think, to do that. I don't think they're too far gone either. Had some, you know, maybe lost part of the room last year. But I guess the whole thing too is we're based, we're all speaking in hypotheticals because these are the insights that we don't actually get to know, and kind of goes back to the original questions about. The, the potential or perceived riff between Dubis and Babcock. It's kind of something the media did manufacture a little bit. And I know Nick Kiprios was the one who kind of manufactured the Matthews Babcock story post playoffs last year. I would say there's probably definitely a riff. Mike Babcock has always said he loves his defense. And yes, we added Jake Muzzin. I don't think it's who Babcock wanted. Right, right. I would agree I, with that I, too. Yeah, I'd I'd say that probably pissed Babcock off. He probably wanted a big right-handed defenseman. He probably wanted Brandon Montour. Maybe. Having said that, we grabbed a guy like Muzzin who's got term. Term was so nice yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 Dubas said he didn't want a rental. Yeah. So he went out and he grabbed a guy with a year left on his contract. He makes good money. I don't think he's what fans expected him to be. Right, yeah. Well, there was high expectations there, really from nowhere, to be honest with you. Yeah. And he, and he played mean, outstanding yeah. in his first few games, too, but that's sure. a different ball game. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I I think he totally makes us better, though, so I'm all for it. I like what you brought up, Cody, uh, with you know, kind of throwing the question to Adam and myself about if we thought that players like Matthews or you know maybe a Nylander or Riley, some of our, some of our more uh, upper echelon players, going to Dubas and maybe speaking up. I'd like to touch on that because I think I think those kinds of things are what we see in exit meetings, right? So every year at the conclusion of the season, you have exit meetings with all your players. And as far as I'm led to believe from articles I've read and some radio station programming that I've listened to, um, those exit meetings are not always coach and general manager. It's it can be one or the other. So it's very similar to you know having a, a boss and then that your boss has a boss. Okay. So the big boss might not be a part of all the meetings. Um, but then yeah. maybe sometimes you want to avoid talking to your superior and go right to the top of the, of the, the head of the snake, I guess, so to say, and, and say, listen, I have a bit of an issue here and here it is. Um, so I think, I, you know, think some of those things might develop in those exit meetings. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, but I, I think somebody like Kyle Dubas is easy to approach. He's easy to talk to. 
he he wants to get along with everybody. Like it's a little bit different if it was Lou Lamorello still sitting up there. I think in the dungeon, like, and uh, you have to do a secret yeah. knock just to get in, and then you have to cut yourself with a with it's a dark rock in there. <laughs> yeah, like Blood if I, if I walk in here, am I going to be on Robodaw Island before I yeah. walk out? <laughs> I'm getting whacked no, I, by Uncle Lou, and that's a really good point, Cody, because I know that that's been quite the story about how one of the ways that Kyle Dubis does things different, especially in comparison to a guy like Lamorell, that he is a bit of kind of an open door policy. He wants to have open lines of communication, not just with the staff, but with the players. Yeah. And I mean, like, like Kyle Dubas is just like, you just look at him and you know, he's friendly. He like, comes off as pretty friendly. He's very shiny. Yeah. You look at Mike Babcock and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Not this guy. <laughs> yeah. This guy, the old buzzard. <laughs> yeah. You got Kyle Dubas. He kind of, you know, he kind of looks a little nerdy and like yeah. he studies the game. He's on paper all the time, figuring stuff out. Like, He's just easy to approach, and I feel like players probably do talk to Dubas more often than they would other veteran general managers. Right on. Okay, good look. Um, so you talk about uh, you talk about having a head in the paper, and, and we were talking about Dubas and, and what he brings to the table. So why not uh, switch the conversation over to analytics, Cody? So one of the main reasons why we've got you on today is that you've got a, a pretty good uh, handle, uh, your fingers on the pulse, of the uh, analytical community. Whereas I know for myself, I don't know about you, Lesko, but I know for myself, it's not, I, I don't have a great handle on it. I wish I had a better handle on it. And I think that's what we're, we're going for today to have you on Cody is to try and, you know, basically explain the analytics, uh, shtick to the, to the average fan, um, and kind of give us a, a good handle on that. So when did you, uh, when did you first kind of decide that analytics were, were going to be something that you were going to at least at least put an effort into understanding what they're what they were talking about. I know it's only been around for a handful of years. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really pick up on it right away, but it did kind of start in you know the Cheka Dubas era. Those young GMs kind of take over teams that are rebuilding, and all that was talked about was older oh, analytics or analytics analytics. And it was like, okay, that's cool. Let them do the research. I don't give a shit. Right. But after time, it was so talked about that it was like, okay, I have to see what was going on. Why are they so important to the game? And I don't think they're as important to the game as media plays analytics to be. Like, I don't think Cheka and Dubis are any smarter than any other GM in terms of them knowing analytics better. So you don't think it's a pure money ball situation? No. No, not 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 even close in my eyes. Does it help? Absolutely. Absolutely. You learn things about players that I test would never know. Like but you can't you can't take that at face value either. Right. Like you still have to watch the game. Like I could build a team off of analytics and put them on the ice and I might never win a game. Yeah. You, you, like it it varies. It does vary. Um but there is a couple different analytic categories that are more focused on than a handful. Yeah. There's so many analytic categories. I, I could never keep track. Well, and they're creating more, uh, more metrics all the time. And I know that there's often hot, heated debates online as well as to whose system is better at assessing players. And this guy ranks this guy this way. And this guy ranks them slightly below. Um, but what, what are some of the key stats that teams are using to influence their personnel decisions? Um, like, you know, what, uh, what are some uh, common ones that we're, you think that teams are using and, uh, you know, maybe explain them a little just for the listeners. 
I mean, the most one that you're probably going to hear is Corsi. You're going to hear about players Corsi all the time if you're in analytics. Um, to dumb down Corsi, I would say, like, it's just the total shots at net at even strength. So players, or sorry, GMs want to know what players are stronger at even strength. So it just takes away the power play and PK edge that they have. And it dumbs it down to how much possession do they have at even strength. So would you kind of ca- categorize it as a, a, a more scientifically proven and reliable form of plus minus? Because we all know plus minus is a bit of a garbage statistic, um, it but it but it trash. deals but it deals with even strength. So our 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 movement, our evolution towards Corsi, is more to say, okay, listen, we want to quantify statistics at even strength because it is a very important factor in all players' games. But we can't just say because his skates were on the ice, he got a minus, or because the goalie was pulled. And they got an empty netter. Everyone on the ice yeah, gets a fucking exactly. minus. Yeah, I mean, like it work. It does work both ways. I would definitely trust Corsi more than I would trust a plus minus. I mean, Hainsey leads the league in plus minus. I'm not jumping at the yeah. bit to sign Ron Hainsey to <laughs> He's an not extension by any means. mil next year. <laughs> Good point. But you know what, though? Um, It's funny that you bring that up, Cody, because when you look at a guy that leads the league in plus minus, you're not necessarily, like you said, going to jump out and throw a bunch of million dollars at him because he leads the league in plus minus. But but on the other other side of it, when you've got a guy that leads the league in minuses, you are now staying away from that guy like he's got got a disease. Yeah, you you definitely don't want the the green jacket winner. (laughs) I love that. Um, but I mean, like Corsi is such a good one to look at because like you usually have an average that you want a player to be at. And if that player is close to that average, then they probably don't mind taking a risk. Um, generally you want more than 50% possession when you're on the ice at even strength. So if you're higher than 50%, chances are you're in the ozone a lot more often than you're in your own zone. Generally, when you're looking at Corsi, you're probably looking anywhere between 45 and 55 percent okay and that's um, around league like the window you see most frequently throughout the league yeah if, if if you're down at 45 percent you're you're struggling yeah if you're up towards 55 then you're you're doing good if you're around the middle at 50 that's that's pretty average it seems to be right. uh something that's applicable in that in finding those kind of diamond in the rough cheap contract sort of guys i mean you know take a player like tyler ennis i mean uh, you can see obviously the skill and the tools that the guy has um, from watching him play, but you might l- plug in some of those numbers and look at his ability to you know generate shots on net and chances at even strength, and say, you know, I'm going to value that higher than someone who may- might have just watched him hack around for the Minnesota Wild last year at an over overpaid contract. Yeah, exactly, for sure. It's it's weird to think, but all of this analytic stuff just came up and about via bloggers that's how it started wow okay yeah so... just stats nerds basically just uh starting to apply uh different metrics to the game yeah and i mean certain certain teams reached out to different bloggers that were keeping track of these stats because eventually it became so useful to them um, that includes the toronto maple leafs they were one of the first teams on board yeah who's it's, their main it's guy also very weird but so was the edmonton oilers so i mean yeah there's a flip side to it i mean <laughs> 
well, it they, doesn't always work. Well, they the Clearly. the Oilers, I guess, were pretty. It was pretty noted when they brought in Tyler Dello, but Tyler Dello is also the kind of guys, one of those snooty stats bloggers, though, because he, he he'll tell you where to put it if if you disagree with him, basically. And I wonder if he ruffled too many feathers to uh, stick around in Edmonton. Yeah. So you talk about the Leafs being involved early, Cody. Do you um like do you have a handle on knowing like how do teams track these stats? Like, do they like were were positions of employment basically created uh, as a result of the the turn to the more data driven uh, research and scouting? So, like, is there now a a data related scouting program uh, with the Leafs uh, or other teams? Like, is that kind of how they run? I just have I have the site that I use. It's very good. It's accurate. Um, as for what teams use what, I'm not. I'm. I actually have no idea. I mean, I'm sure they have secret spies in different sections of every game, probably. Um, especially in the Lou Lamorello days, if they even used analytics. But Dubas was there, so I'd imagine they would be. Um, but as for what each team is using, I, I honestly don't know. And it wouldn't be a. It, it's very. It would be very unlikely that any team would be willing to share their data that they've collected uh, with, with I would other imagine teams. not. Yeah. But, I mean, no. generally speaking, we're probably all talking the same language. Uh, but I, mean, I Yeah. They probably know that it's already out there somewhere. Right. I mean, like, it, might not be, it might not be their data gathered, but somebody's got the data out there, and it's got to be somewhat close. Right. Yeah, okay. you got to figure that most things teams are tracking, someone out there is tracking somewhere and, you know, out there in the public for you to look it up when you're doing your scouting reports and everything. Um, but I imagine with the amount of money that the teams are investing now, um, these guys are going to be signed in NDAs for one and for two, they're probably starting to write their own, their own algorithms, their own softwares, their own, yeah. like not just, not just, uh, you know, their own methods for data collection, but how they're, um, coll- uh, how they're putting that data together and presenting Pro- it, processing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other analytics as well that I would probably bring up into conversation anytime that I'm trying to dumb down anything would be PDL. Um, PDL stands for Percentage Determined Outcomes. Um, and it actually kind of determines if your team's unlucky or lucky. Like, are you riding a high PDL right now? That means your team's playing extremely lucky. You're getting the right bounces. You're not getting a lot of shots on goal, but you're winning games. Okay, so the least PDL in the Randy Carlisle era was through the roof. Yeah, and that's how they <laughs> that's how the the stats community kind of predicted the eighteen wheeler. They said, "Listen, this yeah, team's not as good um, as you think it is." Yeah, a, a case like that this year is definitely the New York Islanders. They're riding a really high PDO right now. I'm expecting them to fall, but I mean, there's only a handful of games left. They've managed to make it work. Yeah, they haven't really died off at all. And I know I read somewhere much earlier in the year, like I want to say just around the All-Star break that they were riding really high PDO and everyone was waiting for them to come back to earth, but they hadn't really done so. Yeah, they they really haven't. They have in the last little bit, but they played themselves enough of a gap that they're not really in any concern. So, so that's that's PDO, Cody. <laughs> yeah, PDO. And what does that stand for again? Sorry, one more time. Uh, percentage determined outcomes. Oh, I see. Okay, so so would it be safe for me to assume then, Cody, that PDO is a way of determining sustainability? Yes, for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. You want your PDO to be at 100. Okay. Um, 100 is a standard number for PDO. 
that's basically saying, you know, you're 50, 50, you're, you're, you're in the fine line of winning hockey games. Right. Um, any team below a hundred, you know, like chances are they're not as bad as they seem. They're super unlucky. They're just having issues scoring. It'll, it'll, it'll turn around for them. So just um, explain to me then when I see a PDO number of, uh, of 81, what does that mean? 81 out of a hundred, they have an 81% chance of winning the hockey game. They have 81% chance of being a sustainable winning team. Like what does that number, what does that number show me in relation to other data? I mean, if it was 81, that means, oh, that's like crazy unlucky. I don't even think you'll ever see 81 as a PDO number. Oh, I see. Okay, so I'm off the charts there. So we're talking like uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100. When, when a team is 100, that yeah, means they're it, just it's, winning it's, games? It's almost like the same gap as you would have with Corsi. Um, okay. You have the 50 being average. You can go up to about 55 and down to about 45. Um, PDO is the same way. You want it to be around 100. Um, if it's over 100, they're probably not as good as they say they are. They're getting some bounces. It's working. Um, but chances are you're not going to get any higher than 105, maybe maybe higher if you're playing extremely well. And it's, it doesn't make sense. Like you're putting up 13 shots, but you're scoring four goals. Okay, you're, so your, P, your PDO is going to be through the roof. Okay. You're putting up numerous goals with few shots. So like you were saying with our Randy Carlisle year, uh, the PDO was, was high then, correct? That's what you're saying? Like guys were shooting out uh, like yeah, through the it, roof? It yeah, it didn't change at all during the entire season when we had Carlisle. And that switched even to Horacek. It, yeah. Nothing helped. I mean, it was obvious we were tanking, but our PDO was absolutely atrocious. Um, we were winning hockey games at some point with Carlisle that we were getting outshot by double. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, our PDO... Our PDO was consistent and it was sustainability, but it was not the right sustainability. So I imagine that uh, shooting percentage weighs in the, into this. Like if you're shooting out the lights, you know, shooting 15%, which is, you know, higher than league average. And it, it, we know that's not sustainable. So is, is that somehow reflected in PDO? Yeah, it is reflected into the PDO um, as well as like scoring chances where they're coming from. Like if it's a higher scoring chance and you didn't score they consider that unlucky. Right. Um, if you're shooting and scoring from a low percentage area, they'll consider that lucky. And it just, it all equates to it. I don't understand how each one can be categorized in certain ways. That's why you can't really trust it to a full extent. I hate to take it back to Corsi, but a player like Jake Gardner, you watch him and watch him and watch him. And it's just dreadful. <laughs> giveaway after giveaway after giveaway, but he's not up there in giveaways in the league. And his Corsi is so good. Like mm -hmm. GMs are probably biting at the bit before this back injury. Okay, he's going to be a UFA. I'm going to throw some money at him. Right. When it comes to the PDO, it it has to vary based on who's collecting the data. I mean, it's so open. Well, you could have some bias as well, too, right? Yeah. Like, whether it be you, positive or negative. What do you negative. consider lucky compared to unlucky? Right. Yeah. Where do you draw the line? There can be some gray area there. I guess with with so much like with analytics becoming very prevalent, with teams investing a lot of money into it and everything, but why do you think like the old school fan or or even people working hockey, why do you think they're reluctant to embrace it? And why we even though I think the debate's long over, why people are still rejecting the value of advanced stats? I think they're just gonna feel like nerds. I guess I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like it's 
like I don't blame you, Coley, for uh, not wanting to get into this stuff because it's it makes your brain mush when you try to get into the scheme of well, things. Like, I watch the games. When... I don't think analytics is telling me the the hockey fan. I've been watching games religiously for decades. I don't like. I'm not discrediting the analytical community. No, no, at all. I totally get that. When I watch a game, I'm I'm completely on the game. I I'm see not it. Looking yeah. at analytics for that game. Yeah, like oh, that I... breakout shouldn't have happened because of analytics. Well, it fucking did. yeah if i if i see a player lose possession easily i know they lost possession easily yeah yeah it's in the net it's a little (laughs) like like if Kadri holds the puck for 30 seconds in the offensive zone and then gives it away his possession was good for 30 seconds there but he just gave the puck away just gave the puck away the eye test the eye test would give him possession credit but i mean he just lost the puck and nothing happened yeah so i mean you can't just look at corsi and be like oh he's got great percentage no so with touching on that, Cody, is there any uh, is there any specific analytical stuff that you'll come across and you'll just you'll just scroll right right past it, like you won't you won't buy into that necessarily. When it comes to goalies, I definitely don't. I can agree like, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's you you're gonna get what you're gonna get with goalies. They're hit and miss. All goalies are. It's got to be the I hardest mean, predict like most unpredictable position in sports almost. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to save percentage and different scoring areas and stuff like that. I don't I don't care. I can I can get that from watching a game if a goalie should have stopped that or not. Yes. Yeah, and you can almost read the confidence and if they're positionally sound. And if it was deflected or wobbling or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah, I can agree with that. I like that as a yeah. point, yeah. What's yeah, the... so the goal, the goalie stuff I try to shy away from. I don't even really kind of look at. Um one thing that does play a major factor in some of the stats is zone starts. I mean, if a player is starting way more often in the defensive zone, I mean, chances are he's going to get stuck there a little more often. Right, right. And you're kind of putting him behind the eight ball to begin with, right? Or maybe you're you're putting all your eggs in that player's basket to be able to get yourself out yeah, of the defensive I mean, zone based on their coursey. <laughs> generally, you're putting all your eggs in the basket on the centerman that's going out there. But, yeah. I mean, if you put a couple of defensemen out there like Justin Hall and Martin Marinson, I mean, you don't know what to expect. Right. Marty Murray's yeah, I mean, not long for this league. <laughs> there really is only a few different analytic categories that mean something to me when I'm actually researching a player. Yeah. Okay. I, I find it from my perspective as well, like I've embraced it somewhat over the last few years and kind of picked up on some of the more basic ones. Uh, the ones that we see feature more prominently in, in a lot of post game analysis. And I can see where it marries up with you know, the eye test, so to speak, because I watch the game and often I'll look at the numbers after and it'll confirm what I saw. Yeah, this guy was dominant and it's reflected in these stats. So I think we're starting to see ones that are emerging. Um, you know, Corsi 4 obviously being a big one, um, just, you know, I, even isolating the shots for and against your, your, you know, your differentials, I think are very important. And just in reflecting how much offense you actually generated. And then on the de- defensive side, obviously giveaways being a, a big part of it too. But, uh, you know, if that go- defender had two goals and th- uh, three assists, but, you know, six, four or five giveaways, played 25 minutes, you're probably not going to talk yeah. about the giveaways. Yeah, it, it, also, it also helps if you have the right line mates. Like, if you, if you have puck possession hogs out there, like, you, you're going to be good at your numbers. Yeah. Like, every time I see William Nylander doing some skates around the offensive zone, I know – the possessions going up on all of his line mates who could be dragging them down yeah line mates definitely helps but i mean 
at the end of the day, each player has got their individual stuff that you just need to fine tune and look at. But overall, the eye test is definitely going to get that done nine times out of 10 too. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so too. And, and just one last thing on, on this before we wrap it up, Cody, um, my, my biggest problem that I have with the disconnect between the two communities, the eye test community and the analytical community, uh, Lesko is talking about, you know, soon we're going to marry the two. And I think that's true, but I think we still, I so. yeah, I still think we see a, a pretty good, a pretty good divide. My, the biggest issue that I have with it is when you talk to someone, I'm sure you've come across this Cody, uh, through your time as a fan, especially online and social media being so huge. I often just see the the analytical community just come in firing with screenshots and pictures of fucking graphs and and a picture of blue and red and and they're all just like look yeah. at this look at this look at this you know and it's just like I, I I will look at it and I will take it into effect but how come you don't have any opinions on the game how come you don't yeah. have anything to say about the actual fucking game? Yeah, but like, I think they're just at that point. You're just quantifying data and presenting it, right? But you have to have an opinion yourself. Do you yeah, not? but you, I think some people take that that role seriously, as in like I'm a numbers guy. I'm going to give you the numbers. You guys draw your own conclusions from them. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Whereas some of them are like, here is what I'm. This is telling you, and this is what I think about it. But I, I find a lot of people are just generating numbers for the sake of generating numbers. You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on a lot of different variables. I mean, there's so much that goes into it that the eye test does sometimes work. Uh, sometimes it fails, but overall, chances are nine out of 10 people are going to be doing the eye test and they're not even going to look at the paper. Yeah, right. that's yeah. Right. Um, absolutely. I'm not one of those guys that'll shove the analytics right down somebody's face. Right. Like, it's, Either you know it or you don't know it, but it, it's also not the determining factor. I no. trust people that have the eye test. I don't trust a lot of the media or these groups that are on Facebook or anything like that. Agreed, yeah. These people are like way out to lunch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, the most common liked fans that want to talk hockey and not have any bias towards other teams or anything like that, chances are they know a little bit about both. Right. Um, but even still, if you don't know, you're not going to be – blasted for it in my opinion not mm. not at this day and age yeah yeah that's kind of what i was what i was alluding to is more like i i'll never i'll never come out and say hey you know mr analytic guy you are fucking wrong because you're blind and you don't watch the game but i kind of sense every now and then when i'm going up against an analytical guy sometimes i'm talking to them at tuesday night hockey sometimes i'm talking to them over social media i kind of sometimes get the feel that they are like no you're wrong you're wrong because here's the stats and you're wrong because of stats and you're wrong because you're just watching the game and you have too much of a bias. And it's like, Hey, just because you've decided to be an analytical guy or gal doesn't mean that you can fucking take away my credibility from my eyeballs, you know, which I've been yeah. using to watch games for 20 <laughs> fucking years. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's not all of a sudden you're fucking right because the analytics say you're fucking right. <laughs> it, the game's not that far along. We're, we're a ways away from the analytics being that fucking right. And they'll never be that fucking right. So, I mean, it's always going to be eye test and analytical combined. You got to, in my opinion, you got to use both. I mean, would I trust one more than the other? Probably the eye test. Right. Right. I I think the Leafs and that's what they're going for. I think they're trying to bring that all together and, and 
be the team that figures out, you know, how we marry this and how you deploy your, your players on a on nightly basis. Yeah, that's that's definitely something the Leafs have worked on. I know Brandon Pridham works the numbers pretty well when it comes to the cap. I know Kyle Dubas works the analytics pretty well. I mean, he's got he's got quite a staff in place there that's probably hammering out some serious data. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think we got coming up the pipeline here? We'll move on a little prospect talk. Um, you got any guys you're excited about coming up the ranks? I mean, I, actually, I wanted to ask you earlier about SDA um, and, and say his name if you can, too. <laughs> <laughs> say his name. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, Semyon Dur Arganachetsov. Oh, there's a oh, Pete's fan right there. Oh, <laughs> boy. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, he's um, he's he's been quite disappointing. I, I won't try to pump his tires any um he's not having the season that i thought he was going to be having for the peats a couple guys that i am excited for obviously rasmus sandine i mean how can you not be excited about that kid well i think he's surpassed uh sda i believe sda was kind of at the top of the ladder right uh maybe has fallen down a few rungs i think a guy like sandine has really thrust himself forward in the discussion yeah i mean sda went in the third round i had a little bit more higher expectations because he was such a small player um, I knew Dubas was going to go for the smaller type, um, but he just hasn't excelled in what I thought he would. I mean, he's only got six goals in the OHL this year. That's just wow. not NHL worthy. I mean, he's got tons of assists. He's a playmaker, but it's just, it hasn't come together like I thought it would for him. What kind um, of- Jeremy Bracco, I think is heavy trade bait unless we trade Kapanen or Johnson, but Bracco, I think is definitely going to be our trade bait. And he's having a huge year for the Marlies. Um, oh, he's, he's having a massive year. He's yeah, I'm kind of sad to hear you say that because I've been a <laughs> I've been a Bracco fan since we drafted this guy, yes. and I'm not big on prospects. I'm the first guy to admit this. I I should know more, but I just I I, I don't put the effort in, and I I know I'm gonna have to start, especially doing a fucking podcast. I better know that shit. But um, you know, when we picked up Bracco, and I was looking at his stats, I was looking at the YouTube videos. He reminded me of an old Kyle Wellwood and anyone that knows me well, anyone that knows me well knows that I was a big Kyle Wellwood fan for literally no reason. Um, I I also remember having conversations with you about Wellwood and how I thought he was absolutely shit. Yeah, come on. I think he thinks he's shit. Fucking hang up on this guy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, but, um, yeah, no, I see. I do see the similarities. He's also a smaller player, but he's heavily skilled. Uh, he's setting records for the Marlies right now. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I would probably keep capping in if I could, and that would make Bracco expendable to me. And a good I expendability mean, at that, too. We'd probably get a like, pretty good yeah. haul for him. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you look at our right wings right now, we got Marner, Nylander, and then if we add Kapanen for an extension, I mean, I'm set with that. I mean, even if we trade Brown, I'm I'm content running, running a fourth liner down there. We don't need... Bracco up fourth line minutes. Right, yeah, you're right. Because if if there's no room in the top nine, it's it's almost a waste to have a guy like that on the fourth. And I, you know, I, I see your point as well about him being trade bait coming off a kind of a career year. And he's he's definitely a guy I know we were excited about because I think he was originally drafted at a time before all these hot shot prospects actually came up. And he was like, yeah, kind of our bright spot back before, like almost pre blow up and rebuild. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's developed slowly, but all of a sudden he just kind of kicked it into another gear here. And uh, I mean, I'd be excited to see what he has at the NHL level, but I, I don't know if he has that chance here. Yeah. Um. If I mean, we could trade Kapanen and Bracco could be his replacement at cheap cost. I mean... Well, that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, you got a guy coming in that's probably going to make, what, 950 at most? Yeah, 
the biggest thing is is you you just have to put all your eggs into one basket and hope Bracco can play at the NHL level. Right. All of a sudden, turns out to be a bust, and now you're now you're running away with your tail between your legs. Yeah. On the yeah. I, yeah. I, I I highly doubt he'd become a bust, but I mean, some players just they're AHL ready and they're just not ready for the NHL yet. So well, I don't, you end up being like a TJ. I don't know if I trust you. trading Kapanen more so than I trade a prospect like Bracco and hope that you land a top right defenseman somehow in a big haul. Yeah, I mean, and even can, if you got to toss Marlowe out, like you need to find a way for somebody to uh, eat some cap here soon. Yeah, that's we right. need money. And you know at least what you have in a guy like Kapanen. So I think a lot of that's going to come down to contract negotiation. Um, is there uh, – I know Joseph, uh, Joseph Wall actually uh, be Boston College or BU, sorry. Yeah, he's in uh, He's in Boston. Yeah, so. um, He's going to be – he's uh, joining the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Um, well, we'll be on their roster. I don't know how much he's going to be with the team, but he's finishing his schooling. Yeah, that's uh, he's right. He's not AHL eligible, so he can't even go to the Marlies this season at all. Um, but I would imagine he's probably the starter next year for them. Starter for the Marlies. Yeah, I guess they have a bit of a goaltending hole there, um, kind of with the departures uh, that occurred in Calvin Pickard and uh, the graduation of Garrett Sparks. So, uh, yeah, you see him as the starter for sure next year. Yeah, I, I don't see any issues with that at all. Um I mean, Cascasio is not going to be cutting it. Go back to Newfoundland for the for this year, and uh, Joseph Wall is definitely going to take the reins, in my opinion. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, I mean, he's got a good track record, but I mean, he's just starting out. Goalies don't develop too quick. And he's got a hell of a name for attendee. He does. He's a he's a brick wall. The wall. Yeah, Hall and Wall. Yeah, Hall and Wall, and you play some fucking <laughs> Pink Floyd when he makes big save. Yeah, I think uh, yep. I'll be interested to see how he pans out at the HL level because uh, you got to hope that uh, they start producing some stuff in the pipeline. I know the uh, uh, kid who played in the juniors as well, his name escapes me right now, is another one that uh, that people are high on as well. Ian Scott. Ian Scott's absolutely on a tear. He scored a goal this year. He's stopping everything that <laughs> yeah, shot that's at him. so cool. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a good one to keep an eye on. I mean, we have a couple of uh, later picks that are uh, – kind of flourishing too a guy like mac hollowell yeah uh, he's he's uh turning some heads now and uh you like to see that from a couple later picks for sure absolutely and i think that's one of the that's a huge component towards staying competitive and tampa bay is a perfect example of that uh when you gotta expend people and you gotta trade guys out you gotta have those guys that are that are nhl ready and that you know might have been undervalued but it's it really comes down to a finding the draft pick and then B developing these guys, utilizing your skills coaches, your staffs, and working with them to mold them into NHL players. Yeah, I mean, as much as I am big on my prospects and I love draft time, I mean, not having a first round pick kind of hurts. But I mean, we might have one yet. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, we can make I a don't deal. See it, but I mean, it's possible. Dubas loves to be up there making picks, you know, right? It wouldn't be surprising, yeah, I don't think, I mean, to Leafs Nation to see him swing something. I I just don't see it. I see a little bit of fine-tuning during the offseason, but I don't see us making a huge splash no for a first-rounder. Yeah. All right. Um, especially with some of the players that I see on the board available for the second and third round. And I mean, we got a pair of fourth-round picks. I, I think we can still load the pipeline with what we have. Well, you got to figure I placed a good amount of responsibility with Dubis and, and his draft ability. I mean, we, we haven't seen many things or many players that he's kind of had in hand and kind of come to fruition. Um, 
outside of who he's developed with the Marlies. Uh, but I, I place a lot of faith in the guy anyway because um, we I know that being somebody who's come up through the junior ranks and uh, he seems to have an eye for for talent anyway. So I, I'm willing to to bank on him finding some of those later round picks. And I think over the next couple of years, we'll see if that's actually the case or not. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to keep a close eye on and see if he uh, does draft any euros or anything like that, or if he just kind of sticks close to home. He kind of has had that mentality of let's stick close to home and let's draft some skilled players. But, I mean, there's some there's some talented Europeans out there this year in the draft that uh, are worth taking a look at and hope they come to North America anyway. All right, Cody. Well, listen, we're uh... – we're going to wrap it up here. We've had you for a, a really long time. Uh, really. Yeah, we got the Leafs game on the yeah, game. We're missing the game here. I know. Around 6 o'clock, we said, oh, fuck, we have all kinds of time. We'll <laughs> just get this going. So we'll wrap it up. But I want to throw one more to you just quickly. Do you have any sort of hot take as far as the prospect uh, pipeline is concerned, Cody? Any kind of player that nobody's really paying a whole lot of attention to that you, Cody Jacobs, thinks is going to make a difference for this lineup? Uh, are you willing to maybe – Put yourself on the line and make a bit of a hot take kind of call uh, right now as we enter the playoffs in the 2019 season. I mean, yeah. as much as a hot take for a prospect, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that we have one specific guy that was drafted in the later rounds that's really going to stick out. I mean, I did mention Mac Hollowell. I do believe he has that next level to even advance to NHL level. But as for somebody yet. There is definitely a few options. I mean, a big one, obviously, not a hot take. Rasmus Sandin's probably NHL ready next season. I don't know if he's going to be there, but that's not much of a hot take. Um, a hot take for me will probably be, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I value all our prospects pretty high. Well, that's a good problem um, to have then, I guess, really. Because the hot takes are the ones where you're, it's an, it's a, not a popular opinion. No. And, yeah. You know, I mean, to, we, don't, yeah. we don't really have many of those prospects that are like, wow, this guy is definitely a bust. Um, I would say a hot take is my buddy Marco like this one, but Igor Korshkov, he's from what I hear committed to joining the Marlies here soon. And if he uh, gets going in a Calder cup run, that could come out of nowhere. Him being a second round pick, he kind of, he's had some serious leg injuries and, but yeah, I, and I think he's going to make a surge and comeback in the K. Right? He's been in the K, uh, so far, right? Yeah. He's been in the K so far. I mean, he's had good numbers when he's playing, but I mean, he's had two, two serious injuries now that's kind of derailed his seasons. But yeah, but you're... I think he's going to come over to Toronto and I think he's going to put it all together. And he's, he's a big body. He's a, a strong winger. He's got a heck of a shot, but a lot of people have wrote him off just because of his injuries. Oh, right on. We'll keep my eye on Korshkov then for uh, when he lands here in Toronto. Cause I know I, I had read some praise out there for him, but again, with the sample size being very small, but uh, I like to hear that too, because these guys who stay over in Russia, there's always that question as to whether they'll actually come over here. And uh, yeah. you always get a little bit excited in case they are a diamond in the rough type situation. Yeah, I mean, you never know what you really got with the Russians, especially if you're a fan. I mean, teams have players, or sorry, teams have personnel over there watching these players, but fans don't get to see these unless they're watching highlight packages and then you're getting to see the best of the best but you're not seeing any of the negative worst of the worst yeah you're right yeah Yeah. playing for locomotive uh in the khl and you're and you're right cody uh mark uh mark v from the uh, old leaf group there he 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 loves igor doesn't he that's his boy he does love igor (laughs) friend of the show 
Friend of the show, Mark V. All right, listen, Cody. Thanks again for joining us, my man. We're gonna we're gonna head off. Uh, we'll we'll hang up with you now. We'll let you get a get a chance to get going on the Leaf game. I'm not sure if you've got it recorded or if you've got it in the background there or not. So I'll, I'll tune in as soon as I'm I'm done here. I, won't, I, won't. I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm I'm glad it only took 27 episodes to get me on here. But <laughs> Don't worry, we made day, it. I'm on. We made up for it by having you on for fucking 80 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I even got like. Uh, a special shout out right off the hop right on and, brother right on well yeah thanks again for joining us i'm sure we'll have you back yeah of course have a good night guys enjoy the leafs game you too buddy we'll Go talk leafs to you later buddy so that was cody jacobs and boy fuck we had that guy on for a while Jesus, yeah, we gotta let the kid go home, man. We gotta let the kid sit on a fucking <laughs> sitting on a park bench. Sitting Birds park, are chirping, yeah. dogs are barking, dogs barking. Like, oh, fuck, you want to call us back? Oh my god, you in a phone booth somewhere? Yeah, the guy needs a fucking portable battery charger just to be on the puck. Oh pod. man, right that was on. Good though, that was all right, good let's call, get man. the fuck out of here. I was really excited to have that conversation with him about the analytical stuff. I, I, I loved great. watching your face as he was explaining some of these things because I could tell you legit, like, don't ignore this shit hard. Core. Well, hey, well, I don't. I, I wouldn't say I ignore it. Okay, when when people tell no, but me, you've acknowledged to me that you've like you've not really delved into I it. I don't dive that, into like, it. No. You're just like you see it. You know what it is. You know it exists. I take your word for it when you're the guy right. that tells me that this guy has a good Corsi and a good PDO. Right. It just goes over my head. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, you're fucking talking about John Tavares. Like, oh, yeah. big fucking breaking news. I didn't here. need I didn't need Corsi to tell me that yeah. John Tavares was good. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it, it does go over my head. But yeah, I was I was really excited to to get that on. I I had teased this episode to some of our dedicated listeners, and they were also excited too um, to be able to get a handle on. You know, like Cody said, maybe dumbing it down a little bit and just making it a lot easier for us to um, to take these to take these uh, data to take all this data in and process it because it's just it's too much. I think it's too much. You, you see all these graphs, you don't know what you're looking at. You're fucking going cross-eyed and you just skip over it. So I like to see uh, I like to see a marriage between the two, and I think we're headed towards that road. I like how you pointed that out too. I think we're headed towards a good marriage between the analytical community and the old school eye test. They're going to be married up at some point, and I think within maybe the next decade or so, we're going to see some of those statistics be like bang on, like yeah. bang on. It's all works in progress, right? Yeah. And it's it's very interesting to see where it's going. And you got some really smart people, much smarter than ourselves, that are leading the charge on that. So, all right, well, we'll see where that goes. And as for us, uh, I know where I'm going. I'm going right over there, and I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to watch the remainder of the Leaf game. Looks like Connor Brown has put us up. Uh, no, Connor Brown. We're just giving him a lot of We're shit, too. We're just giving downtown Connor Brown a pile of shit. Now he's never coming out of the line. And I fucking, yeah, I think he buried. I, I can't even remember where it is. I lost. Oh, yeah, Connor Brown from Tyler Anderson. Freddie Goatee. Oh, the goat is back. So the fourth line just tearing it up here. I'm really surprised Philly. more comes out there, yeah, but know, me too. give him the nod to experience, I guess. Yeah. All right, so that'll do it for us here uh, on the Pucks and D podcast, episode 27. Thanks for joining us. Uh, This might be the longest one we've ever done. So um, thanks again to Cody Jacobs for joining. Uh, Cody tells me that he's got a large following out there on the Twitter sphere and the social media scene. So uh, we better see some numbers get pumped up on this episode, Cody, or you're in shit, bud. (laughs) Uh, so once again, thanks a lot. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at PuckPod for the station at Coleman42 at Let's Go Adam. And we'll be on there tweeting all day long. We'll see you a week from tonight. Take care. Comb your hair.